I could do zero to one million in literally any e-commerce thing. Give me six months and a laptop, done. I think the biggest risk for people in like their early mid-twenties is that they go and get a normal job and start hanging around with people that don't share the same ambition. I had the most like Amex points in the UK at one point, apparently. I had 15 million Amex points at one time. I had like six figs in my bank account, I'm 22 years old, I'm in fucking Bali, drinking every night. Life was good. How did it all go wrong? One thing goes wrong, it can all fucking crash down so quick. I was ready to fucking kill myself. You're talking about £400,000 worth of chargebacks in the month. Oh, probably more. I reckon like a million quid plus. People are writing death threats on Trustpilot if they're not getting a £300 order. Stripe shut me down. 30% chargeback at one point, which is like probably a world record. We went from that to being insolvent in about three months. Nostalgia is a weird one because you, you only appreciate something when it's gone. I look back now and think, fuck me, to be like 22 again. For some reason, you've always felt there was a need to prove yourself to someone else. Oh yeah, I've always had the biggest shift on my shoulder. Whereas now, it's like a much more proper business. I've got a lot more experience around me, so a lot of advice, and I'm just much wiser. When I was 10 years old, I had to be an entrepreneur and I would build something great one day. First things first, guys, before we get started with this podcast, do me a solid favour and subscribe to this on whatever platform you're listening to it right now. Whether that's YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, I'd appreciate if you just hit that subscribe button and it lets me know that the content that I'm putting out for you guys is hitting your ears at the right time. Much love. This podcast is sponsored by contentremover.com. So whether you're looking to remove any images, videos, search results, fake Instagram accounts, get in touch with us at contentremover.com. Welcome back and today you guys are not going to be disappointed because I've got you another e-commerce banger. I've got the man who built Neon Beach, who's absolutely sent it with space goods. Mr. Matt Kelly, welcome to your apartment, your penthouse. It's beautiful. Not quite a penthouse this one, the old one was. Mate, what an absolute tear you've had in the e-com space in the last few years, isn't it? Yeah, heavy. Huh? Heavy few years. Heavy few years, mate. You've been you've been been on a hell of a hell of a journey with it. Obviously, with with Neon Beach and everything. I want to talk into that, but I want to for the audience to get a bit of perspective on everything you've done. I want to mm. I want them to understand exactly where you've come from and how you you first started in ecom. Like, give us give me a bit of a background into obviously you getting started in ecom and what kind of drove you to it. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably fucking. I was talk about the story, but I guess I used to just design logos when I was like 16, and then. I started, I had a clothing brand when I was like 18. Everyone took the fucking piss out of me when I was working in Waitrose. Sounds like a sob story, but it's just the truth. And then, like, cut a very long story short, went to uni, didn't want to be there. Was always looking for a reason to leave, an excuse to leave, but didn't come from money or anything, just like normal background. Mum was a nurse, dad worked in, like, the construction industry. You know, it's just as normal as it comes, really. Um, but never knew entrepreneurialism. Like I never knew I didn't know you could make money and do your own thing unless you're a footballer or a celebrity basically I think that's probably like a lot of people that come from just like standard backgrounds so were, um, you, were you taught like the kind of like go to work get a, get, get a job get a mortgage get a girlfriend settle yeah, down yeah but when I was 10 years old I knew I would never do that even though I didn't know how I'd do it it's super weird like I just I've got a twin brother right so it's probably quite a weird example non-identical twin but twin brother same upbringing same school same friends until we were like 19, went to uni, 18. But he's the exact opposite to me in almost every way. Like I would say he's probably way happier than me. He's always had a steady girlfriend. I've barely ever had a steady girlfriend. He, you know, got two degrees. I don't have a degree. So it's just weird. Like that's a classic nature versus nurture. Cause to me that has to be 
like nature because we had the same fucking nurture until we were 18 years old and then you know went off to uni and that do, do you feel there was a, a a kind of competition between you and your brother oh yeah and we were just compared all the time in like by, by teachers and shit and by pro, by my parents in a way is that is that is it something you struggled with as a kid then to like to, to deal with i mean I, I always felt like an outcast and i always had a really strange well not strange but just like a really difficult relationship with my parents whereas he never did even yeah. to this day like like really bad not really bad but it's definitely not great i i had a, i can relate to what you're saying because i had a similar thing with my sister um you know i always felt like she was thought she was she couldn't do any wrong and there was me i was like the black sheep so mm. I, I can kind of relate to how you how you felt about that but did it cause any was it was it kind of that tension between you and your mum and you and your dad that kind of drove you to want to be an, an outlier? I just felt, I think I felt like an outlier when I was like a kid. Just like, I don't know. That's why I think you're kind of born with it in a way. I don't know. And then when I went to uni, I, I knew I didn't want to be there. So I knew before I even went that I wouldn't finish. And then always dabbling around on like e-commerce shit. I was working in a fucking burger bar. That was my last ever job, I guess. Um, got into Facebook ads in like 2016 started drop shipping jeans probably just before like Hera London and all that launched actually because yeah, yeah, I was yeah. in I was in Union Newcastle where Geordie Shaw were going out and that so I'd see them out filming and be like oh I, I want to do something online but uh, fucking zero money like minus 500 quid or whatever um, so I got into drop shipping that way but it's funny because I had my clothing brand before that I made I'd put, bought stock and stuff so I guess I'd come out I, I was like doing branding first I was always interested in building brands like I used to design logos that was my thing and then it was like well how can I monetize this somehow somehow because I want to be a creative and I've always been a creative first but I never wanted to be a starving artist type yeah. I had this weird almost like commercial understanding before I knew what the fuck I'd do I was like I know, I know I need to make money I don't want to work for someone else like designing shit fuck that do you think you went to into a creative space because you were trying to get away from turmoil in your life because you felt certain things were going on within the family? Well, what I say, like, I mean, my, my parents are together. They have, like, a happy relationship and shit, I think. But, like, I just always argue with my, my dad, like, every day, even now. It's a very difficult relationship. Um, I don't know. M maybe because I never wanted to do conventional shit. It, like, I, I just don't think they understood me. So, so maybe that... I don't know maybe that drove me to do shit or whatever but I also one big thing actually is I kind of fucked up my A-level so I got like straight A-stars when I was in GCSEs right like not that fucking matters now at all but like I was kind of like the best at everything in school almost I, I was very like multi-talented like I'd win all the sports day shit I did music I was doing rowing so I was like a national champion athlete when I was like 16 all this but then when I got to 17 I suddenly like quit doing all sport that I loved didn't want to be at school started making like music videos on youtube so i've got like an old youtube channel from 10 years ago go and find that immediately like one direction covers and shit and then people started saying i was fucking shit and i didn't want to be at school and i was like oh i kind of want to be a youtuber there was like this old history but i had, I had no context to be a youtuber i wasn't good enough at music you know, i was gonna i was gonna like play fucking ed sheeran covers and shit but it was never gonna be like the next harry styles so, so, well, and then i just went through this weird phase and, th and then when i went to uni because i'd i got like b's and a levels when I was meant to get A-stars and people were saying I should have gone to Oxford and done the boat race and all this. And I was a bit like, fuck, I've gone to, I went to Northumbria Uni, it's not a bad uni, but my parents, I don't know, I thought like my, my parents would have preferred me to have gone to Oxford and done fucking rowing, but I'd quit. I went through this weird phase of like, I don't want to, 
I don't know. I don't want to be that fucking academic type, even though I was really good at school previously. And then when I got to uni, I guess I had a bit of a chip on my shoulder. I was like, fuck. All my mates, including my brother, has gone to a better uni than me. Because that, that mattered then. When you were 18, you got no yeah. money. Like, how do you judge fucking success? It's like, what do you, what do you get in your A-levels? It's like stupid little shit. Do, do you think then that you've... It's just, it's just you've always... For some reason, you've always felt there was a need to prove yourself to someone else. Oh, yeah. I've always had the biggest shift on my shoulder in, in the entire world. I think, like, the people I'm trying to prove has changed over time. But when I went to uni, it was like... Especially when I dropped out, eventually, and when I started doing stuff and eventually dropped out. I don't know. That, that's probably why I, like, uh, spent loads of money on stupid cars and stuff when I was in, like, 21, 22. Which, looking back, I guess that's quite unusual at that age, but... Is yeah, it, I, was try- I guess I was trying to just say, oh, if I fucking made it work sort of thing. Even though I'd spent like, well, I guess to go back, yeah, I started drop shipping in uni, got into that, built that turned into a clothing brand called Dusk. I had an office with my mate Ollie, who's now an investor in my brand and runs a lot of my ad stuff. Comes full circle, he's been on the pod. That became like a cl- clothing brand. We had an office in Newcastle, right? So we had this massive office, bigger than this flat. It was me and him in it. It was fucking cheap ranks, it's up north. And I was still going to uni officially. My parents didn't know about any of this, but I'd stopped going. So I got kicked out of uni technically. I didn't actually drop out officially. But then I just, that was like January, 2017. So like six years ago now. But then we started like doing decent revenue, like 30 to 50 grand a month while I was in uni. So it was a decent business. And I was like, hold on, this is working now. I don't need to have this job at a burger bar. So you were doing 30 to 50 grand a month while you were meant to be paying like six grand a year to go uni? Yeah, in revenue, yeah. And I, I didn't really think much of it, but it's a decent little business. Um, that business ended up falling apart because I fell out with my mate and we just got like, we got a lawsuit because of the name. Um, what and name then I, did you call it? It was called Dusk. Right. So if you search Dusk NCL, because Newcastle, that's the username on Instagram. It's still up there. We had like Luke Hemmings from Five Seconds of Summer buying our shit. I actually forget about this because I never really reference this brand because people always talk about my jewelry brand and then the neon thing and all this later stuff. But that was the first like six figure business, I guess. It was much smaller scale than stuff I do now, but we were doing like, it started as a dropshipping brand, but it became like a fully legit fashion brand. Like we were designing our own shit. We did like Sherpa jackets before they were cool. We were like ripping off Fear of God and shit, doing 50 quid Sherpa jackets, all this. That could have been like Six Silk-esque or something like that. But you know, back when that, that was all trending, that kind of aesthetic. But 30 to 50 grand a month in pounds yeah at that stage in your like journey as a as someone who's learning e-commerce and and getting involved with it that is that's a pretty substantial brand to build yeah i mean i'd I'd still been doing like probably three years prior to that of like doing nothing so that was the first thing that ever did like any decent revenue let me ask you a question do you ever give yourself any credit for anything you've done no i always feel like a piece of shit yeah, the, I, I, I can feel that when, we, when we're doing probably, this. Like, probably more so the past two years, we can get onto that, but yeah. Now that's further down the track, but I just mm. wanted to, I really want to understand why, you, why, because as we go through this and you've done a lot and we'll, we'll, we'll go into all that, but as we're going through this, I'm already feeling like there's, you could, you could go and do a hundred million dollar brand tomorrow, but I still don't think you'd be happy with it. Yeah, no, I, I probably wouldn't. Um, I, I don't know what it is. Yeah, like I, I definitely don't give myself credit for anything, even when I've even when I have done good things. Um, yeah, there's p- probably some weird shit that I get onto later about that. But yeah, 
I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's just yeah, because I, I, I just... I always feel imposter syndrome, even with my own mates. That's something I've never probably said before. So, so do you... Like, f- I don't feel good enough to be sat at dinner with my own mates sometimes. Really? Honestly, yeah. Have you ever, have you ever tried to, to really understand why that comes through? I don't know. I think maybe an element of it was there before I had that massive fuck up two years ago, but I think it got exasperated by that. I don't think I've had the same personality since then, honestly. Yeah. In many ways, but yeah, I guess I've kind of built back to a similar level to what I was doing before, but yeah, I don't know. It's definitely a lot of emotional baggage. There, there, there is. I, I, I think we'll unpack a lot throughout throughout this, but we're talking about obviously that you, you build that brand, Dusk, you go and was the jewellery brand next? Yeah, so like, to cut a long story short, so, so then... I decided for the first time I was going to go traveling. So I went through like my nomad phase. So again, this is all on my old YouTube channel. So I had another YouTube channel I started doing like in 2017. So like four years after the music thing. So I've got two rogue YouTube channels that they're just out on the internet before the podcast that people actually watch. They were just like five views per video. There's like 150 videos of me traveling around Europe and shit by myself. So I knew no one doing anything. And I was like, fuck staying in Newcastle. So I had this one bed flat for like two months. And I was like, fuck this. I'm not staying here. So... Yeah, I started just traveling around Europe. I started a few drop shipping stores. Again, this because like this was back when Facebook ads were so much cheaper. So I had like a leggings website. I had a website selling like fucking kitchen gadgets and shit. There was like a two year period where all I wanted to do was travel and meet people. I didn't give a fuck what I was doing. I just had to make money. And then like enough money to fucking not get a job. That was like, cause I didn't really make any money from that clothing brand. Like we'd done decent revenue, but by the time you paid a fucking back bill and shit, we've split off like the remaining stock you know, fucking paid legal fees because got sued and shit. It was just like, it was like quits. Like, nothing bad happened, it just like died off. So you do it, so you, but so obviously it was doing 30 to 50 grand a month, but it wasn't, it wasn't highly profitable. Nah, I didn't know what the fuck we were doing. Like it was like stock management, bought way too much stock, you know, like. Scaling yeah. things until they broke, all that kind of stuff. It wasn't like big scales. So there's never any like problems with it, but it's actually quite, so, almost so long ago, I don't remember the details of that because I've, I've barely even spoke about that on podcasts, like that that business, but that was that was the first thing. And then I got into the dropshipping space, like I just said, basically went to this, traveled around Europe by myself for like a few months. A few months later, I went to this event in Singapore, which I cite as like the thing that changed my life or whatever, because I met entrepreneurs for the first time. I'd never been to a networking event before, bought a fucking economy ticket to Singapore and met people that have become my still some of my, my best mates now and like and then I didn't meet Fred there for example but like I met people that eventually introduced me to him and a bunch of other people and like the rest is history I guess but then yeah did like the whole Bali thing lived in Bali Australia America Barcelona for like three months like 2017 18 and 19 probably particularly 17 and 18 I probably don't realize how how actually glorious those days were so I was making like decent money I was doing like probably two three hundred grand a year profit from a fucking laptop with like a very automated shitty drop shipping business because it was like the glory days then you can't do that now i don't think to the same extent you don't reckon i know maybe this, but I, I, I don't want to do that now i know anyway. this i know this lad lester javelona i don't know if you know him in econ no. he, he, he smashes it with drop shipping does about 350 450 grand a month us yeah just smashes it but he's he's, he's totally in the drop shipping game he's he's, yeah. all, he's all in on the drop shipping so yeah, know, I suppose it depends on on what you what you kind of. I always get like fucking um, nostalgic thinking about those times actually, because I mean nostalgia is a weird one because you you only appreciate something when it's gone in a way. 
Yeah. So like, yeah, I look back now and think, fuck me, to be like 22 again. Because I feel ancient now at 27. But yeah, I had some fucking good memories. So, so, you, so at this point in time, you're literally traveling around the world earning like 350 large on your laptop. Yeah, and anything. blowing it all on stupid shit. Like, be the first to say that. I had no financial literacy. So only in the past few years, I've learned about that in many ways. Um, you know, I, di- I didn't fucking... I didn't know I'd have a fucking corporation tax bill at the end of all that. Do you know what I mean? Like, obviously I paid all that. But yeah, I started making like, I guess, relatively big money having never made money before. So and suddenly I had like six figures in my bank account. I'm 22 years old. I'm in fucking Bali drinking every night. Life was good. What were you spending it on? Because you can't spend it in Bali, surely. Bought a load of stupid cars. Because like, I'd like come back to fucking the UK like in between travelling it was all and then like I spent a lot of money like travelling to be fair like hotels America I spent loads of money went on this mad road trip in 2018 I think it was which is still to this day legendary we had like four supercars for like two weeks and shit just stupid shit but I don't regret any of it and then a lot of travelling yeah just it was good just like a good two year period pretty much all of that is on my old YouTube channel just like bits of that thought it around that was definitely like the most stress-free period of my life, I think. Were you present then? Yeah, probably way more. Um, yeah, because if you watch my old YouTube videos of me just walking around like Italy by myself, I didn't give a fuck I was by myself. Like I wasn't by myself all the time. That was like when I first started. But yeah, I don't know. I was like probably wanderlust by the potential of like the world at that point because I'd never fucking been anywhere. I remember going to Bali for the first time in April 2018. I'm thinking I was in like another planet. I was like, wow. That was like my first exposure to like the nomad lifestyle. I th- see, I see all this nomad lifestyle and this lifestyle content on the internet that that puts out. And we were talking a bit before the podcast that you said that you thought the 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 glory days of it, where you could just earn the easy money in ecom, were kind of gone now. Is it, is well, it, is, is that, that so- but also, I don't want to make easy money doing random shit anymore. I'd rather make less money doing something I think is actually like, like legit like good for the world and I kind of not that I'm fucking changing the world yet but and I certainly wasn't selling jewellery or neon signs but I then had this epiphany in like late 2018 start of 2019 and I was like fuck like I'm, I'm making money but I'm not not designing anything I'm just like fucking running Facebook ads to any old tap from AliEx- AliExpress which is what how everyone gets started like dropshipping that's fine because all I wanted to do was make money because yeah. that was the only thing that allowed me to travel and meet people and that was like the vehicle to fucking do my own thing. But then that was why I very consciously moved to London, like almost four years ago to the day. Um, and was like, I've been full-time traveling pretty much for two years. I still want to do a bit of that, but I want a base now. That was like my first semi-mature decision. I was like, all right, let's move here. I'm not from London. Like my mum's from London. My dad's Irish. So he's from Dublin, but I grew up in York where I'm from. And then that's when I moved in with Fred and this other lad. I never even met Fred before. We moved into him, and we, I met him once in Covent Garden, and then and obviously Fred owns Sanucci, so obviously they've smashed it as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Fred's like probably probably my best mate. Um, yeah, and he's yeah done incredibly well. But I was living with him when Sanucci was a, a dropshipping store, doing like small numbers. So to see that but progression, you, you talk about obviously you t- you talk there about 
you want to do something now with passion and where you're designing it and all that kind of stuff. And mm. I understand that now, but if you, what's your advice to people who listen to this? Because obviously there's a lot of people that listen to this that are, that are in e-com or want to get into e-com, right? What's your advice in terms of should they pursue the, the passion and the brand, like what you're saying now, or should they make the money first? Like perhaps you did before mm. you found the passion type stuff. Yeah. I think you have to make some money first because it enables you to just not do something else like have a nine to five. And I think the biggest risk for people in like their early, mid twenties, whatever it is, probably just twenties broadly, and typically guys, but guys and girls are listening, um, is that they, I guess, go and get a normal job and start hanging around with people that don't share the same ambitions. And luckily, if you want to call it that, I I never did that because I left uni before I went into like a grad job or whatever would have been the correct path. And I think had I done that, I might never have pulled the trigger on it. So... I think that was one thing I was fortunate with is well, I guess I had the balls to do it is to say, fuck, I'm not finishing uni. I'm not getting a normal job. I'm going to get a fucking one way ticket to Singapore with two grand in the, in, in the bank and fucking meet people. Cause the second you see other people doing what you want to do and it's real, like experience gives you confidence. Like you see that guy's actually doing that. It's not like some pipe dream. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, hundred um, percent. But that's the long answer for, yeah, I think you should just figure out how to, quit like quit being in the system I suppose so quit having to go to uni if you don't want to be at uni quit your job that's that's the most important thing to start with is to break out of that pattern and then more importantly as well start meeting people that are doing shit yeah because wh- and you have to be doing some shit yourself to meet other people doing it because you know you share ideas whatever I mean um, se- what got me out of the rat race was selling services online and, mm. and, and looking after celebrities and brands and people like that. That's, that's what broke, broke me out of it. Because once you, once I started to do that and started to sell my own stuff, I started to really free myself from, from that thing. But I think, I think it, it doesn't matter whether that's e-com to you or whether that's services mm. or whatever you do, you have to find something like Matt says to, to go and break you out of that that pattern you're in and it is a pattern essentially at the end of the day but if you're if you're listening to this right now and you think that you've got something more in you than the pattern that you're currently sitting in and the narrative that you're currently living in then i suggest that you've got all the tools within yourself to break that pattern so that you can move into whatever you want to actually do like matt says like at the end of the day it the the choice is on you to do it isn't it at the end of the day yeah like the single most common question i ever get in dms probably like 10 times a day is how do i meet people and it's I've answered it a billion times but because people look at me and like probably plenty of people in this sort of space and oh you know you have a great network you know loads of people and I do have a great network now I didn't fucking six years ago I knew no one not a single person in fact the only person I knew that was in entrepreneurship was Adam who I just mentioned is my mate he's gonna live with him soon so I knew him but we weren't living together um, we weren't even friends I just knew of him like he went to a similar uni he was in Newcastle um but yeah, like I went to that event in Singapore because I didn't fucking know anyone. And I was like, consciously, all right, I need to fucking do something here. I can't sit around not knowing anyone, noping that I don't know what I'm doing. But I think you're- And then ne- one thing leads to another. It's very like momentum thing. And then you meet someone that introduces you to someone else and, you know. But I think your network's had a, had a, had a like there's two sides to the blade with your network. I think because of how successful your network is, sometimes you don't appreciate within yourself what you've achieved because you're looking at a Fred. You're oh looking, yeah, yeah. You're looking at Adam Reed. You're looking at all my friends are like Jimmy 0.01%. Like, 
the, like Jim, Jimmy Hill set up yeah. Hairburst. Adam yeah. Reed smashed it with a pet brand, does 40 mil a year. Zanucci yeah. does probably 20, 30, 40 mil a year, whatever, he, mm. whatever, he, whatever Fred does, right? You, you're, you're hanging around with like the 0.1% of like the e-com business space. That's why sometimes I feel like when when we when we talked earlier on the pod, I, I reckon you 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 feel some kind of disconnect because I don't reckon you you actually fully understand what you've achieved yourself. No, that's very true. Yeah, I think I, I think you just. But I would always rather be the smallest fish in a big room, in a big pond, whatever the fuck the phrase is, than think I'm killing it. Yeah, which is why I think it's con- you have to consciously choose your environment. Although having said that, like all those guys I met when you know, some of them have gone on and done way bigger things than I have yet. And that's great. And, but then, you know, plenty of people I've met along the way have, you know, gone on, done other things, phased out, you know, not everyone I know at that event is still even in the e-com space. I know a lot of them have fucked off and got into crypto or something else. Like, but yeah, I, I guess I met all those guys when we were at, at the same level. And in many ways, we still are at the same level. Like they, they would say we are. I mean, it's probably me that says we're not, even though they are doing bigger numbers than me, some of them. Um, and that'll always be the case. It can't always be linear. But you know what I mean? Like same amount of experience. So we can have we respect each other on the same sort of on the same level, I guess. Um But when you came back from that event, essentially that was the, that was you know, when you came back years down the track, you set on you set a pond setting up Neon Beach, right? Midnight City first. So, so I ran, I ran I, yeah, I ran I set up that brand at the end of twenty eighteen, just before I moved to London. Properly launched it like March twenty nineteen. And this was the jewellery brand, right? Yeah, jewellery. So I was like head to head with crafted. Yeah. So I was pretty early in the jewellery space in the UK. And like there's like five brands that fucking stole my design since then. Like that's another story. One of them was trying to come on the pod, it was quite funny. I said, mate, you're literally using my fucking images that I took three years ago. Anyway, um if he's watching this. So yeah, I started that <laughs> in twenty nineteen. Um yeah, it grew that to like seven figures in like the first year. Was never that passionate about it. So that was just 2019 was purely that. But it was great business because massive margins in jewellery, especially when there was limited competition like there was back then. It was literally me and Crafted, pretty did, much. Did you did you sell that brand? Well, that got swallowed up in the deal with fucking Neon Beach, which is another problem. Right, okay. So yes, I did sell it technically, but I didn't get what I could have got for it. Right, okay, because obviously when when double the, whammy when obviously we'll go into this, but when Neon Beach got sold, obviously you, this was about how you've probably incorporated them under the same yes. company, and I still fucking lose sleep over that to this day because mm-hmm. I could have sold that for a decent amount of money, and I said no to a very decent amount of money six months before. I w- I want to go into that, so yeah, that's I've, that, I've been that, hit that, twice. That is a very important point of why you shouldn't incorporate brands I had no under, advice. The, under the same yeah. company, um, because you know they get taken in mergers and stuff like that and acquisitions. I'm just fucking retarded. It will go into- A lot of very painful lessons. But obviously, then you obviously set about setting up Neon Beach. Yeah, end of 20, start of 2020, yeah. So what what kind of gave you the the tenacity to go and start doing these Neon Signs? Well, did you get, it, get the idea from America or? So I wanted to buy a sign for my room in the penthouse we used to live in over there, which I still think is the sickest flat in London. It's fucking sold it now to some Chinese family. So that's a shame. But that was a legendary place to live. It was me, Fred, and this other, other lad called Connor. Um, I don't know what he's doing now, you know. Anyway, so I wanted a sign, similar to how we've got him in here, for my bedroom of my Midnight City logo. And I couldn't find anywhere. So being me, instead of complaining I couldn't find any, any, anywhere, literally overnight I made a brand. And I guess, you know, fucking, I built that skill set. 
I made this name, this logo, and just made the website. And I literally filmed a video in my bedroom with a sampler. So I ordered a sample, so it might take like two weeks, whatever. But like the idea came to fruition overnight. And I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm just going to launch it. It was like a side thing. But, but there was no intention for it to. But the I thing, don't know. but the thing I want everyone to get out of this, is listening to this right now, is like what Mass just said there is so important because he executes on his ideas. I'm very good at that. I think I'm the best I've ever come across at zero to one because I think I could do zero to one million, say, in literally any e-commerce thing ever. How long? Give me six months in a laptop, done. In anything, whether it's fucking tampons or cleaning cloths, like anything. And I've done done it four times now. So... Okay, for for I want them to understand exactly what the skill sets you've worked on that allow you to go zero to one so quickly. I think initially it was the ability to design stuff as in like logos and a website because a lot of people wouldn't even know where to start with that and that's where they'd get tripped up. They're, oh, I've got this idea, but I can't make it look good. And by the way, I don't know any other founder that can do their own branding. Um, I'm not, I, don't, I don't even think I'm that good. I think space goods is way better than my old stuff, but like... Fred, Adam, Jack, none of those guys have done their own branding. They've all hired for it. Or, or they started it really badly, then hired for it. So they would say that themselves. So it's, I think it's quite an unusual skill set because I came out from such a creative first, whereas a lot of a lot of like scrappy hustler founders, I think, come out from like a just want to make money first and then they sort of figure out you need a logo and all this shit. So that was my first skill set. And then obviously, yeah, I spent years building Shopify websites. So, I, you know, I didn't, everyone assumes that you're like born with these skills but I'd fucking done it for years so I went from being shit at it to kind of knowing what I was doing so if you were going to if you are going to advise them to get one skill first would that would it be the creative skills or would it probably not I mean I think it'd be basic like digital marketing so knowing how to set up a website a basic Shopify website which anyone can fucking do for like £10 these days Um, and then I'd also spent millions on Facebook ads myself like me running the ads i spent like three hours a day in the accounts so when i say i was traveling and living it up i was but i was also spending like three hours a day in facebook ads and a bunch of other shit so you get good at that shit like i literally spent probably i don't know three four million quid on ads myself before i even started neon beach and then when i launched that i also ran the ads myself for like the first six months before eventually getting an agency um and then i haven't run ads and, since then myself and how important is it though that you that you learn these skills and run these things yourself before getting an agency yeah i think it's super important because then you know what's shit and what's not whereas a lot of people don't and Cause, like because when I, when because I, when i look at the creatives that you've created for your brands the and and some of the ads that they run mm. even even if you've outsourced it further down the track the reason they're so, the creative so good is because obviously like you, you know what you're looking at so you're yeah, so, like, you get to sign off on it right yeah I, th- I actually think e-commerce and like building a brand is the most requires the most wide breadth of skills out of any probably thing ever um, I'm sure there's something else that someone will say is harder but in terms of like design product development customer service finance understanding which most of us don't have to start with including me um, you know just so many things and there's nothing I outsource now that I haven't done myself for at least like a year at some point. I used to be in the trenches doing customer service emails. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, so really, I probably did it better than anyone that's done it since. Really, e-com like anything then essentially is just about getting in getting in there rather than talking about setting up this brand and rather than out, trying to outsource all these things from day one. You've actually got to get in the trenches and build it from just all... Just get dirty. I, I'm so big on 
just fucking start. Like I literally know people, my like mates or people that used to be mates that have been talking about it for seven years and they haven't fucking started something. Like, how, why? Yeah. It's so sad. I mean, obviously if they haven't started it, it's probably never for them in the first place, but like, so Neon Beach, I guess, a classic example, like it was just an idea and I was like, fuck it, let's just launch something. I didn't know if it would work and then that was the fastest growing thing I've ever seen, ever. So obviously two weeks you get your sample. Mm. Then you decide the samples. The samples are good. Yeah. So the original. That's the original sample. That sign there. Great quality, by the way. That's three and a half years later. It's still fucking bright. Mate. So that was the first one ever. Create your own reality. So I've always been into that fucking, I guess, romantic. What, what a like, caption to have on your first sign as well. Create your own reality. What a caption. Yeah. Like. So I remember filming an ad in my room. My mate Connor filmed an ad actually as well, and I think those ads ended up getting millions of views. But it was the perfect Instagram product, especially just before COVID lockdown. Just before. So everyone's got more money than normal. Sat at fucking home buying shit online. So it just blew up and like you, instantly. And you you were just drop shipping them? Yeah. Because they, they, we were doing like half of them are like pre-made designs like that. Which I'd fucking spent like hours in the trenches doing Photoshop mock-ups. For the first month it was just me. So I probably did like 100 grand in the first month or something. So it grew super quick. Then I built a massive team in the Philippines of like designers and horribly complicated supply chain, by the way, because half the stuff we're doing was completely bespoke. So someone would build it, design it on site, we'd get the order. So yeah, it was like drop shipping, but there's no other way to do it because it's a custom product. So it's made to order by definition, but it was like so complicated, like the supply chain from day one. Um, and how many SKUs were you doing? Oh, I mean... Thousands, thousands of SKUs, technically. Which, which if you were going to advise so thousands people- of, like, hundreds of base designs like that, and, like, baby looks so cool, all, all this, like, edgy shit. Like, that's one of the original ones as well. The two people kissing over there have just still got... Um, fucking horribly complicated. But, and then, like, all the colours as well. And you... and you, But you... So you launched from Bespoke from day one? Yeah, yeah. With hundreds of designs? Well, so we had hundreds of designs, and people can make their own. So, like... Yeah, it was very fucking complicated. But that was why there was no one had really done it online yet, I think, because it was horrible. And then loads of people started ripping it off and literally stealing my ads and shit. But, you know, in 2020, that went from being like the only one doing it to like one of 20. But I was definitely the biggest one doing it. I still think to this day, it's probably the biggest one that ever did it. So you went Um, zero to a million pound turnover in how long? Like three months. And then you got it to, I think it was... Got it to a million a month in six months. A million a month. Yeah, and then I had... Like Universal Music, I went to their offices. They wanted to do, they wanted to do Billie Eilish tour merch, and I was just seeing pound signs. I was like, "Fuck me, I've never seen anything like this." I had VC funds emailing me, and this is back when fucking VC funds were just giving pissing money out to anyone <laughs> pre-pending recession. Um, and then I had, but did this thing with Love Island, so ITV, and I was like, "Fucking hell!" This is, and so, they, long story short. Yeah, I was growing on Instagram. I was spending like half a million a month on Instagram ads at one point. So I had the most like Amex points in the UK at one point. Apparently, I had 15 million Amex points at one time. I was on triple points as well. Which, yeah, I mean, that got a bit messy, which I'll maybe get to. But I still had the most Amex points. Didn't have the most pounds. Had the most Amex points, which is (laughs) not as impressive, but still quite funny. Um, But yeah, it was just, it was literally me and like 40 freelancers in the Philippines. So it was, like people don't understand how how scrappy that operation is. I mean, any fucking startup scrappy, but 
that was the scrappiest. You, you, and I was also running Midnight City. Don't forget about that. So that was doing, that was having a great fucking so what, six what, months what, as well. What was, what was the revenue on that one? About 250 a month, about a quarter mil a month. Like so, three mil run rate. So at 20, 20 what years old? How old are you now? I was 24 at the time. So yeah. at 24 years old, you got 1.225 million. Yeah, so, so the business as a whole did about 11 million in revenue in 2020 across the two. So it was about three and eight. Yeah. It's mental. I mean, it's, I, it's quite funny looking back because... And it's just you. And it's just, well, it's just me in the fucking kitchen. Fred's there <laughs> doing Sanucci. I think he did like similar numbers, but actually made money in the end. Um, so Fred was doing 11 mil on the other side of the kitchen? About that, yeah. Yeah, something like that. See, I, I, I won't speak so for you, him. So you two were earning 22 million from your kitchen? In revenue, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was funny. It was actually funny looking back. Um, it's mental. That year, yeah, that year, I mean, I was a bit of an idiot. I fucking had a convertible Ferrari downstairs and a Range Rover at one point. Like, just, I was 20, living in this ridiculous penthouse. I just thought it was normal. Um, but yeah, I ended up getting very humbled, didn't I? But it was very good. I mean, if Neon Beach never existed, I would have had that though, by the way, because the fucking jewellery brand was doing like 80 grand a month profit. Like, it was fucking printing. So when did it all so, start? So to- that's the thing that pisses me off about the people that ended up calling me a fraudster and all this shit, which obviously wasn't blah, blah, blah. But like, did they not understand that I had a very legitimate other business? If I was a fucking scam artist, I wouldn't, do you know what I mean? I would have just sold Forex courses. But, but, but how did it all go wrong? Yeah, I mean, long story short, it was growing too quick anyway. Like the, the two sides of COVID were e-commerce was booming. So that's great for like a jewelry brand when you've got the stock, very different model traditional D to C you fucking buy the products in the warehouse they buy it you ship it to them in two days whatever and jewelry's like got great margins yeah exactly great margins especially during 2020 when COVID made Facebook ads so cheap everyone's at home buying shit and so many brands did really well during that period um, so the first problem with the neon thing was yeah the supply chain was fucking difficult anyway but then because of COVID higher demand supply chain everywhere was fucked especially when you're making B to B custom stuff we were shipping it from China originally, which wasn't even the problem, by the way. It was just like, I thought, the, the problem was when I brought it from China to the UK. So long story short, I thought, I actually want to take this, I want to improve the supply chain. That was my intention, but that was the thing that fucked everything because I brought it to a, a factory in the UK, found this place, only visited it once, didn't do property diligence, whatever, paid them loads of money up front to basically make, collaborate on getting our own factory together. They couldn't handle the demand. They ended up having problems because of COVID they hadn't told me about being a B2B supplier, all this. Long story short, they couldn't fucking fulfill anything. Circa two and a half million quid's worth of orders disappeared into the fucking ether that had been paid for. I'd paid for them. Where did they go to? Just didn't get delivered because they couldn't make them. So, so, so in China they couldn't make them. No, so China was never a problem really. It was just slow and so it's a bit scrappy. All, you shipped all the products to the no, UK. No, no, no. So I thought I'm going to stop working with China. I'm going to set up everything in the UK because fucking got VCs knocking on my door, doing this Love Island deal. Let's basically make our own factory. That was the logic, but that was the thing that fucked it. I've never done that. I think the business. I'd still own the business, honestly. And this was so I made that switch in September, October, 2020. This was like peak, peak scale, doing like one and a half million a month in November. Had a fucking prime time TV campaign with Love Island. And during those two months, nothing was getting fulfilled. But which I've already paid for. I've fucking paid for it. Like, but obviously, so financially that's fucked. Cause people, 300 quid product, people are charging back. So I'm not even getting any of the money that people are paying for orders, even though I've paid for it. Cause fucking Stripe shut me down. 
like 30% charge back at one point, which is like probably a world record, like literally. Um, and then it was just, you can so quickly get fucked. So I'm loading up my Amex. So you're talking about 400,000 pounds worth of chargebacks in the month. Oh, probably more. I reckon like a million quid plus over like a three month period. So basically orders stopped getting delivered properly. At first they're delayed, then they're very delayed. Then people start charging back and one star trust pilot and your Facebook ad account's disabled. It's like building an econ business when you scale that quick, especially with that model, is like a, what's the right way to put it? It's like a fucking glass pyramid. Like one thing goes wrong, it can all fucking crash down so quick. And, and, and that, that can happen with any econ business, but even more so when you're shipping stuff that 300 pound AOV, you know, people don't wait for that. Like it's not like a 30 quid product with like fucking whatever, they're having supply chain problems. People are writing death threats on Trustpilot if they're not getting a 300 pound order. So would I probably. Um, so yeah, very quickly, the business went from having over a million quid in the bank on course to make like one and a half million quid EBITDA in 2020. And, and again, I'd structured both the brands under the same company, MK Brands Limited, go and fucking read the administrator's report. It's all out there. Company's house <laughs> is what it is. Um, and yeah, we went from that to being insolvent in about three months. I didn't know what insolvency meant, by the way, then. So that's pretty stressful. And then, so yeah, long story short, basically the business has gone fucked in literally like a three month period, call it, give or take, like September, October, November, probably October, November, December was when it shit went, like hit the fan. And by January, I knew we were in trouble, like big trouble. Um, and then also, like that was bad enough. But then I start, I get discovered as the founder of this thing. And it doesn't look good when, and I, you know, I wasn't, I'm not an influencer. I, I wasn't putting any content on YouTube back then, didn't have a podcast. I had maybe 2,000 Instagram followers, just n not a private account. Obviously, I've fucking posted my cards all over the place because who fucking wouldn't when you're 24? And Did you have private place on them? Yeah, yeah, everything. So everyone knew whose yeah. cards they were, yeah. So, and I can see how that looks, but yeah, this whole rhetoric online was, I'm a fraudster, I'm literally stealing millions and I'm, and some, and I'm in the Bahamas or something. Like, there's complete, just made up so it's it is like literally like complete meltdown for so it started with Trustpilot I mean even now you can go check it like Trustpilot had like 7,000 one star views in like 3 months which I think is probably like a world record I don't know um, <laughs> and there's no going back with Trustpilot it's like people were putting my phone number on there because some, someone leaked that so like I, I remember a day actually this is probably the worst anxiety I've ever had in my life I think it was maybe just before Christmas so like around then like end of December shit was like peaking problems um and some, I know who it is, but I'm not going to say their name. Some person with a big follower following um, decided to share my address and phone number because he fucking doxxed me or whatever. Like, I think his girlfriend had bought a sign, you know, and it just takes one person to think oh, I'm just going to, and that, that started everything. Like, then Amanda Holden shared, not saying anything about me, fair enough, but just saying the brand was a scam, all this shit, and, you know, 4 million followers. Like, it was... And then I had the Daily Mail at my door at, at like 10 p.m. saying they're going to write a story on me. Do I want to comment? I was ready to fucking kill myself, honestly. You see, so you got to that point. 100. percent And that that those saying that always sounds flippant in hindsight when you don't feel like that on reflection. But absolutely, yeah. Like see, I did not know what the fuck to do. Okay. I've never felt anxiety like that for like a probably a two to three month period when that was all peaking before it kind of ultimately got put to bed. <laughs> But it was, yeah, it was like a, yeah, horrible time. Do, do you think- Very you, few people can know what that feels like. I, me personally, I believe everything happens for a reason. Do you believe that you were humbled at that time for a reason? 
Yeah, probably looking back. But I also, there's probably a million things going through this. I, I still to this day feel a lot of resentment to the fact that, I mean, a few things, I, you know, there's plenty of people I know for a fact, Forex guys, naming no names, that have actually committed like fraud and made loads of money from it and fucked off to another country, naming no names, that never got caught out on social media. I never made a penny from that. Yeah. from that situation I lost money from that I put my own but, money but, into but, that but, to but, try and save but, things but yeah I was painted as a fraudster on, for, on the internet forget them when mm. are you going to let it all go I, I probably still haven't to be honest I know you haven't I know you haven't and, and painfully I'll, because of the fact that I had another business that got swallowed up in that so to give people context it's probably you know go watch my first podcast I gave the whole story but when your fucking business goes to shit there's a fucking process that happens you know because I had fucking credits because another thing I'd done is I'd fucking loaded up I tried to reship a bunch of orders to customers, trying to save the situation. So I'd loaded up my Amex card, you know, paying suppliers through Stripe, all this sort of shit. Built up like a, a three quarter of a million quid Amex bill, like, which I couldn't fucking pay because I had no money. Like all the money I, I had was had gone to suppliers. Your revenue, which is still there, isn't coming in anymore because Stripe are holding a million quid. You're not getting a single penny. You've stopped paying for your ads, obviously, but you've still got fucking a team of people to pay for, mainly customer service, which are now fucking working 27 hours a day trying to solve problems. Your trust pilot's fucked. Your mum's wondering why there's people calling her fucking phone because someone shared my parents' number. There was a Facebook group with pictures of me as a 12-year-old just on the header, like, it's kind of weird shit, but, like, mob mentality. People think that's all right. And like there's people I know that have done that, that I probably would fucking want to do something back to them, but I just, you know, whatever. Like, I'm not going to stoop to their level. Um, but yeah, it was, it was pretty rough. So then I fucking spoke to my accountant who, by the way, didn't give a fuck about me because it was just like, didn't have a proper finance guy in the business. It was an outsourced accountant, you know, they don't give a fuck. Um, yeah, your business isn't sold. I'm there like, well, all right, what the fuck do we do then? I'm literally Googling what to do. My business is running out of money. I can't pay my bills. Like fucking Amex are sending me statutory demands. I very quickly had a crash course in the legal system, basically. When you start getting fucking letters through. I also had revenue-based finance because with Wayflyer, who I'll come on to in a minute, ended up saving me because um, I'd fucking funded part of the factory thing with a 300 grand loan from them. Again, when people were giving out because the revenue is massive. My fucking P&L was massive. So, so put it in context then. You you had a business that, that had probably done 1.2 million that month. Yeah. What what minus cash position are you at at this point? I remember having to call my accountant. There's certain things that's... And this is being so transparent, but I just don't care. Um, and by the way, I mean, I'll get onto that in a second. Um, yeah, so I remember having to call my accountant distinctly and him saying we were like a million quid net liability. So you've gone, and by the way, three months before, I've got seven figures in the bank. So you've Fucking gone from great. plus, plus 1.2. Yeah, there's about, about 2 million quid you, had gone in about three months, effectively, if you count like chargebacks, all the refunds we're doing. So plus, know, loading plus, up the plus AMX 2 to million to minus problems. 1. Circa that, yeah, basically. So 3 million quid discrepancy. Well, probably plus 1 point something, but yeah, so about 2 and a bit discrepancy, yeah, in about three months, give or take, Yeah. Like, that's heavy. What what was the key domino then that that truly started that, you know, state of effect? I think when people started writing about it online saying it was a scam, because then even because bearing in mind the thing to remember in all this is 
But that it, wasn't a mistake. That wasn't a, that wasn't the first domino that, that, that oh, started. What was the first domino that, that really... The that, first, yeah, sorry. You, the the if first you could, domino if you could go, if was you could me go, paying this UK yeah. factory right. a bunch of money up front. Right, okay. So, and then I'd committed to retail value of like two million quid worth of signs, which is the stuff they couldn't fulfill. Right, and even okay. the stuff they did fulfill was fucking 16 weeks late and the customer already, already had a refund. So it's just classic e-commerce. This should be like an MBA case study in what not to do when you're growing. <laughs> but I had zero advice around me. Zero. Yeah. I don't, my fucking parents can't advise me. They're not entrepreneurs. Like, I'm sat there with Fred telling him it's, got, it's going wrong. He can't advise me. He's, he's not experienced either. Yeah. And he's running a different model. And I'm also running my fucking jewelry business, which to be fair, was very smooth and still is to this day. Um, I still think you boys so have yeah. to be up there as, as, as two of the biggest guys to earn 22 million a year from a kitchen. Revenue, I'll stress. Re- but, yeah, re- reven- re- but revenue, but turning over 22 million from a kitchen is still pretty good. Yeah, really. Fred was doing it at 21 as well. He's three years younger than me. I mean, yeah, I, I'm not going to speak for his numbers on this podcast. I know he's very private, but yeah. But that's, but that's um, again, that's you going into the comparison thing again. Yeah, probably, yeah. You don't, I, I, just, I just don't think you need to go there. Like, there's a comparison. I think you've smashed it, mate. Like, that's, it's mad doing 11 million from a kitchen. Like, in revenue. Yeah. When you actually break it down, like, just the sizable things. And obviously, you've learned so many lessons through that whole trajectory that's kind of set you on this new path for everything you've built now. So what was one of those biggest lessons that you've obviously learned from that? so many things I think firstly don't try and do everything by yourself in terms of like managing everything because I didn't have anyone fucking experience around me at all like I was just saying um, so everything I've done since I've made a point to not be the only one not be the only shareholder basically in my case um, but also just going bigger and quicker isn't necessarily always better you should really try and be more sustainable so I was probably I was just excited and naive there's never any Ill, Ill intention and obviously so many things were out of my control and just went fucking wrong but I guess if I had the experience I had now I probably would have just gone slower from the start but it was maybe just an ego thing so do you think then that obviously the people that are listening to this that they they might be in a place in their life where they where they really want more they want more success they want more this they want more that would your advice be then simply just slow down and kind of truly appreciate where you're at which is something you've probably never done yeah probably and I think just like more sustainable growth I think part of the problem in my mindset is I'd seen like big numbers drop shipping when I was younger like I'd never fucking I'd never gone to business school I'd never fucking degree loads of people telling me like how to do things it was just literally figuring it out like I'd never fucking dealt with that level of business let alone when shit went wrong and that's why it felt so normal to be doing what you're saying now and on reflection it is like really big numbers from a kitchen and we were literally working in the kitchen so it's not like a a phrase that's that's the reality um i i think you've earned such big numbers so early in your e-com journey right even from when you were back at the university and mm. you were talking you were talking about in, earlier on in the pod like 30 or f- 30 to 50 grand a month as as if it's a small number Whereas I think because you've done such big numbers from such a young age and you've just had the talent to do that, you kind of don't really appreciate so much what you've actually achieved and then you overanalyze it because you, you, you perhaps compare yourself up to other people. Yeah. But then you, you don't sit back and you, and you think, fuck me, like 
And that's when you get out of this present moment, isn't it? Because you, you're kind of trying to overanalyze everything. Yeah, I also think I was always like, I would never have been like, oh, I'm doing well. I'd have been like, well, Ben Francis is doing 100 mil. I don't know, three, four years ago, whatever it was. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so then you're talking like 0.0001%. There's always a bigger fish if you judge everything by like numbers. But 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 that but that's the whole point I'm getting at is the fact of like you're always, there's always going to be someone with a fucking bigger dick to swing mm. in, in, the, in any environment that you're in. And the whole point of what I'm trying to share with the audience right now is the fact of like the comparison as in your case it's has is, 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 is stealing all your joy from the moment like yeah. you should you should always be hyped about what you're doing it's like I know we're going to go into revenue numbers of your other brands that you're doing right now and, and you'll probably tell me at that time in the podcast about how you you want to do this and you want to do that but it's like they're doing phenomenal numbers now for, for, the, for the size they're at as well you know yeah I think <laughs> do you know what the problem is in the past two years and until I get past the biggest numbers I did when I was younger, which granted was before everything went wrong, I still feel like a fucking like shadow of my former self, even though I'm way, way better as an entrepreneur than I was two years ago, three years ago. It's not even close. Like I know so much more shit. But the game of business- But I'm still judging myself on my revenue numbers not as big. Even though it's a much better business, you can't compare, like it's not all about revenue. Do you know what I mean? Like I just- But the game of business is, is designed to be played for 60 years. Yes, and th this is the problem. So it's interesting you said that. I think this fucking generation, and me included, I'm only in the past two years sort of like mold on this and maybe become more mature about it, is the problem is it's all these, it's Instagram culture. And like, I know so many people that flex such a big game and are not even fucking make, they're making less money than the cunt that's got a job. It just it's it's like it's that extreme in some cases all they are making loads of money but you know they never paid a VAT bill not, not even a registered company it's all very like just cap basically and yeah. I'm talking about like a lot of like TikTok dropshippers on Twitter I'm not saying everyone's like that at all but you know if, if some 19 year olds giving life advice they're probably they're probably making money from the course they're selling you to they're not making money from the fucking store that is the reason you're signing up to the course and yeah. people are so naive and, and, and I was when I was younger as well like I used to look up to I don't know certain YouTube e-commerce people or whatever I think that was fucking gospel but then but I remember being in a Facebook group with some guy called Murray Edwards and it's not even about him but like just a nobody but like at the time I thought he was like this big fish and now you would never, wouldn't, wouldn't know who he is like, I don't know what brands he's built a few dropshipping stores maybe back then there's a lot. There's a lot of smoke and mirrors in 100%. the ecom, ecom space, and a lot of a lot of people talk numbers in this game that haven't achieved the numbers that they'd say. There's a lot of screenshots that go around. Yeah, that's why. That's why I try and bring people on the podcast in the ecom space that can actually give people the benefit of wisdom because they've actually executed on on building. Well, a just brand. the entrepreneurship space as well, because one of my good mate now, Jimmy Hills, you mentioned before, like he put something in our group chat the other day. If we're talking about this. And what did he say? Like anyone that talks about the money they're making, I guarantee you is not making much money or is not worth much money. It's so true. You don't get a fucking Ben Rancid sharing a bank statement, do you? Even though he's got hundred times more money than any of us. It's the guy that's sharing like, yeah, it's nothing wrong with fucking flexing a nice car you've got. But when it gets to the point where guys are like sharing screenshots all the time and like fucking Cartier watch, buy my fucking course. Like that Don's probably it's got less money than you reading that. Mate, like genuinely speaking, 100, 100, there are exceptions, 100%, but hundred percent, mate. That 
when there's people on Instagram or TikTok or anywhere and they're showing anything like a Rolex, whether they're showing uh, a, the car that they have or anything, any lifestyle type content like like that, those those people are doing mm. it to prey on the insecurities yeah, of other exactly. people and 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 to to sell and it's a massive market. I'm sell, sure it works. to sell them an info product yeah. that will not. That ninety nine percent of people will not ex- execute yeah. on the on the info product that they get it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? There has to be. I think. I think it's, it's just. It's just. A, it's just. You buy the product to feel like you're taking part in an action, but mm. the action is you setting up the store, is you running the Facebook ad, is you getting the product sample and and and, and putting it to market. That's the action. Whereas you know people just aren't taking the action. Yeah, and I think like. <laughs> I call them gurus, but like the definition of a guru for me is someone that makes the majority of their money teaching the thing that they don't actually make that much money from, if that makes sense. So like if you make more money from the course than you do from your actual e-commerce business. Yeah. And then the problem is that the lifestyle that they are acquiring customers through, you know, the marketing, I've got this fucking Lambo, this shit. They're only, they're, only, they're only paying for that lifestyle because their 100% profit course is paying for that. They're not making that much money from their... FBA business from the fucking brand from their dropshipping website so it's just smoke and mirrors um, and a lot of people I'm not saying everyone that sells a course is fucking fraud because I've got a course <laughs> I don't promote it at all um, and I definitely don't make that much money from it because I don't promote it but there is a lot of that just fluff out there and I think this just this generation has just become especially guys on like Instagram and Twitter it's become like a and I, I've been part of that where you think that if you're not a fucking multi-millionaire by 25 you're a piece of shit failure that's what I felt even though I guess I was on paper a, a millionaire when I was like 24 and a million quid in the bank is that, is that a millionaire probably um, it, it does, yeah. that, that is classed as a millionaire yeah if you've got a million liquid 100% yeah 100% so it's just funny I mean I, I probably chased that so much and chased big numbers but because he, I had a chip on my shoulder still but when you got there you still felt as empty as you'd felt when you'd on the pursuit of it yeah i mean i would pull up the note on my phone because i just remember something but i don't know where it is and this was because i sometimes kid myself and and reflection now saying i I didn't feel any of this before that neon beach thing went wrong and that not my confidence and shit but it's not true because i remember i used to have a green audi r8 which was the coolest car i've ever had v10 plus beautiful i want to buy that exact car back at some point in the future it's viper green they're not the only one in the country much better than that ferrari by the way half the price way more fun and I remember going for a drive in that and stopping. I was by myself on like a Thursday night in the summer and writing a note of something of, on the, along the lines of like, the only thing that can make me happy is living things and progression. Because I'd had this realization that I had this car and I was living in this fucking flat, which I guess when I was 19 years old was my wildest dreams. And I had all that. And I still felt like, where's the fucking fulfillment? Do you think it all came too soon no because I feel like it took me a long time to make any money compared to a lot of people Compa- but, but in the grand yeah, but, scheme of things but, it probably but, was but, quite but soon when, but when we take out the piece where you've just said compared to other people how about we move the comparison fuck the comparison right off yeah I'm, I'm, I want to know for you do you think it came for you too quickly do you, do, you, do you almost wish it happened a little bit slower along the trajectory it built up over time but you'd You'd still learn the lessons, but not not hit it so hard so fast. Yeah, probably, probably. Because I think I was my standards 
on like maybe certain lifestyle shit or whatever when I was younger was maybe a bit skewed by the fact that I'd probably done everything I'd dreamed of by the time I was 23 in terms of like lifestyle you know the penthouse flat the supercar and what was your realisation obviously there's levels to it I didn't fucking have a private jet in it but you know what I mean like most people they just want a car and a cool place to live and when your realisation was my realisation is that is all very fleeting and I still think it's sick and I will buy a pink Lamborghini probably next year but I'll know getting into it that time that it's that you get way more fulfilment fucking having dinner with your mum or something I'm glad you said that I'm, I'm actually glad you said that because I and it takes a bit of maturity I think to it took, circle around to those sort of realisations I think everyone gets there maybe in their late 20s or their it, mid 20s whatever it, it is mate it took me it took me years of running away from myself to understand that the material side of things doesn't bring you the fulfilment that you think it does you put a lot of things in your mm. life on a pedestal and when you get to the outcome you realise you've lent your ladder against the wrong fucking wall for a mm. long time did you feel that? Yeah, probably. Um, and then I probably realised when all the dust settled on that situation, which I don't want to go into the conclusion of that or not, but th th then you realise, and, and that's why I come back to now, I feel like I'm actually building something that I would do for free, even, even if, you know, if, if I never got paid for it, I would still do it. Probably. Because I'm trying to change the fucking world with mushrooms and all that. And I probably, I've only come to that place where I can do that and care about that because I've, Scene. because because of your experience yeah so, so 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 the key thing the key thing that i want that i want you to pick up out of this podcast to move forward with actually i really wanted to get this is that if that all hadn't have happened to you then you wouldn't be able to do what you're doing now and execute at the level you're executing at. it just could not happen you had you had you had to serve that journey is there to serve you and you've rather than you having any animosity towards these things happening to you anymore it's like important that you let that go because what you're doing now would not have been created if you hadn't have, have, have been through all that yeah it's very true i mean i always have this i always think about like what could have been or whatever um as in like i have this vision of that business had gone well I'd sold the other one previously, which I was going to do. I then sold Neon Beach last year, you know, whatever it is. I fucking, I'm sat there with 30 million quid and I'm 26. Like, but, but, but that's we all, the could have happened thing but, in but, my head. But the problem is... Even though that was probably never going to happen anyway. But the problem is, if you'd been sat there with the 30 million quid, with with the way that you're operating your life, you, you'd, have been, you'd have been the guy with 24, 26, whatever you were, with 30 million quid who'd feel suicidal because you wouldn't be happy. Yeah, I mean, I think I'd definitely been less stressed around that time period. I don't think you would be. I honestly don't think you would be. I, f I think you'd have been, you wouldn't have known what to do with yourself with 30 million quid at that age without the journey you've been on now and all the pain and everything that we'll go into shortly. But all these things, that all these pieces that have been put through and the things that you've had to go through, when you do get the 30 million quid in the bank or the exit or whatever you want, mm. you'll be better prepared for it. You wouldn't, you, that that wasn't your journey to live. Like if you, if you yeah. I, I guarantee if you got that 30 million at that time, that would have been I mean, no good for you. Th 30 million is a big number. It might not, you know, whatever it is. But yeah, just like some number that I thought may, may have happened had things gone perfectly. Yeah. But again, the, 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 the brand you're currently building, obviously space goods and everything mm. you're building with that, that carries purpose which the other brands never carried any purpose for you yeah definitely 100% because I mean I hope one day I can write a story about 
like the fucking phoenix from the ashes like when i felt like i've become a shell of a man and rebuild myself and built this billion pound company whatever um because yeah like after that after all the dust settled on that i mean i don't know how much you want to go into that but like march the fucking guys did a pre-pack administration and bailed the business out all this shit i can go into details that if you want but then i want to go into detail of of why it was such a poor structure because obviously you structured both companies under this uh, uh, so stupid you, you structured both brands under one company under yeah. one company and now because neon beach has gone into administration well yeah mk brands limited did yeah which owned both brands yeah it contains both brands so yeah. the profitable brand got swallowed yeah, now entirely. automatically mm. so you lost everything overnight well yeah so, to, so, so to, not quite but nearly yeah so to, to give context on that so I'd had an offer for 900 grand to buy Midnight City six months prior and I, being an arrogant cunt, I'd said no. Bearing in mind, the brand was like 15 months old. It was doing like 30 grand a month profit. That's a great multiple on a brand of that age. And I'd, I'd just said no, not having it. I think I can get 5 million next year, you know, whatever. Just like ultimate cockiness. Um, anyway, so I didn't do that. And then, yeah, long story short, the fucking brand, well, the company was fucked so when a company's fucked it goes through a process called an administration which means fucking you have to have, find a buyer basically that can do the best deal for the creditors because that becomes your legal obligation as a director is to try and get as much money for it um, and whatever's in it so Wayfly I don't know how much fucking detail I can give on this but fuck it I've been fairly I don't know if I've gone in, in this depth before but Wayflyer one of my creditors I was their first ever default so they're a DC revenue based lender probably every fucking econ brand knows them I use them now funnily enough um, yeah so I owed them like 90 grand so it was actually small compared to like Amex and shit so I got an email from them their founder Jack who's now my biggest investor so it comes around um, <laughs> and he was like he was like the first human person I'd spoke to in the past month of fucking lawyers telling me that I need to fucking pay all these bills and shit um, yeah I mean you work with like an administrator which is like a fucking legal representative to fucking sort out the company and decide what the fuck's going on because if you don't appoint someone like that you can actually go to prison for like over trading and all this shit no one knows about this because it doesn't fucking happen to anyone or at least you don't think it's going to happen to you but you learn it quite quick so I learned a lot about all that um yeah, so then they basically offered to buy out the brands and their offer to basically to buy the company. Um, but it's something called a pre-pack administration, which means you put something called a notice. I know a lot about this shit now. It's like I've done a legal degree. You put something called a notice, um, an NOI, notice of intent to administrators, which basically gives you like a month legally where no creditors can try and fucking wind your company up and all that shit. Because if that happens, then it's on their terms and you'd be fucked. So within that month, I had to find a buyer basically, and yeah. I had a bunch of offers from. Because this happens all the time. It's like fucking I don't know twenty thousand companies go under every year in the UK, probably more. And there's funds and companies that will buy up those deals basically because you know for whatever reason, if an extenuating circumstance like in my case has happened, there might be great brand IP there. There might be stock, whatever it is. Um, obviously, in my case, I had two two brands, one of which was unharmed, so that was kind of the main selling point. So they ended up putting just about one and a half million quid into the whole thing, um, which basically meant that customers got their money back. So it's the main thing. Had to do that. It's the right thing to do. Um, paid all the all the secured creditors, all that shit. Um, yeah, and then that happened basically. So then I was left with they gave me twenty percent of the company still. So I still had twenty percent of the company 
on the deal that I would work with them for six months because they were going to start that it didn't end up going very well for them but like long story short they were going to start this like venture arm where they acquire brands because they got all this data from their customers being basically a big fintech um we ended up working with this company called eComplete who is founded by a guy called Paul Gedman who's the Paul Gedman who's the ex-CEO of a division in the Huck Group so like ex-Huck Group guys so they came in so I ended up learning loads in this situation because I was now an employee of my own business, which is fucking weird. With this 20% holding in the jewellery brand? No, of, the, of both, of the whole company. Right, okay. so, so they ended up setting up two separate companies. But so you didn't lose everything? No. I just lost 80% of it. And at this point, I'm not really in the driving seat anymore. Right. So they put me on a 100 grand salary, which to me is a fucking massive pay cut because after tax, that's like five grand a month or whatever, which people don't really think about. It sounds like a lot of money to most people, but it's actually not. Um... So yeah, this was in March 2021. I don't think I've gone into this level of detail before. So if anyone wants to fucking rinse me for it, go for it. But this is the truth. Um, this was March 21. I then moved into another flat with my mate. Not because of that. It just happened at the same time. But I was like fucking working out of this tiny box room. It was like a shit setup. Um, and by the way, at the time, my fucking girlfriend at the time didn't know about any of this. I haven't even talked about that. That was fucking weird. Like having to basically admit that this person she thought was a complete killer and the person she met maybe a year ago is actually now like a piece of shit failure that's kind of how i felt about it but so that was really complicated that, as well i ended up putting on like two stone look like a pe- look shit like that, that, this was a weird period that's it's all a blur that, that's, that six months that followed that that's you talking negative to yourself though more than her she right? was the wrong girl in hindsight i'm so, i'll say that so, but it was so, a weird so we should, time had 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 you getting all that money and and everything and all that success so quickly, had that put you around finding the wrong type of women then? Had you gone into that, had you, is that what you're saying about this girl? Is well, I'd it, never struggled with girls in the past, in the years prior to that, put it that way. Um, and, and you just got around the, you just got around one of the gold digging types? No, I, I don't think she was to be fair. I don't think she was. Um, I mean, I can never know for sure because she met me in that fucking penthouse flat on a fucking party and that, whatever. It's it's a pretty good sales pitch. Yeah, maybe, right, right, right. maybe it is, but that's always going to be. You can say, I don't know. Right. We can get on to girls later on, maybe, but that's a fucking whole other kettle of fish. But I think you e-commerce. I think you e-commerce lads fall in love very quickly. Well, I do. Yeah. I, but then I have a very particular. I mean, yeah, we can get on to that, but yeah, that was a weird situation. So, but anyway, it's like six months. I'm fucking working with them. Um, yeah, like on a fucking salary the first time. This is all like literally a blur. It was kind of so weird. Um, became friends with the founder, Jack. And this is a company that's recently valued at like $3 billion now. So it's fucking big time. It's only like three years old. He was like 29 at the time. He was like 31 now. Um, and he knew I was never going to stay around with them. Anyway, long story short, we fucking solve all the problems. Obviously, Midnight City was never fucked anyway, but... By that point, it wasn't. I wasn't giving it attention because the past nine months, or six months, have been spent trying to solve problems with this other brand. So like that had started to lose speed. Like we weren't launching new products. They put a load of basically a load of people that shouldn't have been running econ brands on it. A bunch of like fucking accountants basically. So I'm the only creative person there. Just a bit of a weird setup. Anyway, they end up ended up selling Neon Beach and I think Midnight City to Ecomplete Group, who do actually know what they're doing. Not the way that I didn't, but. And you got a payout? Yeah, I got a payout, but it wasn't particularly big. Can you can you can you divulge? What you it was got? like low six figures. Can you divulge? Nah, nah, but, I don't uh, think I meant to. Oh, oh no, because I, I want to see I want to see where you started from again. I was like. 
So you're you you start so you so you're back you're back now, right? So you've you've gone from having you've gone from having the having the the massive brand mm. with something that you could probably exit for for around about maybe 10, 20, 30 mil down the track, in your opinion, in a yeah, few I mean, in, like in I, a few I years had time. Other and stuff. that and now you sat at in your bank account. From that business. It's at that point, have you sold the cars to put more money in the bank or what have you done? Yes, yeah, so I got rid of like everything. And so, so well, not, not everything. So I mean, what, so what's your t- it's not a good look having a finance Ferrari when your business has just gone bankrupt. So, what, so I got rid of that. So yeah. what is your total cash position at this point in time that you kind of had to start from again? Not as low as you might think. Compared to you love where I thought I was going. No, compared to where I thought yeah. I would yeah, have yeah. been. And then it was more the confidence knock. Yeah. Because... Yeah, like I wasn't completely fucked, but I guess I felt like I was. Um, and yes, yeah, so anyway, like this is a pretty honest podcast. I don't know if I'm even meant to say this shit, but it's two years later, so whatever. Um, people are going to try and fucking expose me for being broke now, some bullshit. Um, not that I claim to have loads of money, but I then, yeah, worked for six months with them. And then they offered me like a really big salary and a bunch of equity in their group, which probably 99.9% of people would have said yes what kind of equity slice are they offering oh like a few percent but in something that's now worth billions I mean it probably wouldn't have been a few percent it would have invested over a few years whatever but would have been worth millions in the future probably yeah like a few million um, and like 150 grand salary now anyone at 25 years old had I not had the previous stuff would have said that's fucking amazing that's like top 0.1% which but it in, is but in your head at this point you know that you can scale brands 0 to 1 million and beyond and with the experience that you've mm. got you, and the learnings that you've had you know that in essence you've got the ability to be able to switch it on yeah so then in September 21 I just said now I'd rubbed it my own thing so I went back to a literal blank canvas for the first time ever which was really fucking weird. And I reckon I hit like rock bottom version two then. Did you have an identity crisis? Oh yeah, massively. Because in March 21, 21 I'd say it was like, the, oh, just before that, I was like very rock bottom and all that fucking social media shit was going on. And then, then the dust settled a bit when like obviously they came in and solved it financially. So that was like the right thing to do. It put to bed a lot of problems. There was no credit is knocking on my door anymore. Whatever, like, sound legal process fine but then I was like ah oh, fuck so I'm a fucking employee now I feel like I was in prison but then you get to September 21 and I was free again but I was like oh, I don't know what I'm working on I didn't have the podcast then I ended up doing the first episode after that yeah. to fucking share the story of what happened which ended up going down really well and I was like oh really nervous to do that in the first place but then glad I did it in hindsight so there's so there's, there's, there's two scenarios that then see you felt like you were a prisoner when you were in this job right which which a lot of people do and as soon as you take a wage from anybody essentially you are you have just hmm. put yourself in a prison doesn't matter what it is you're taking a wage you're in a prison aren't you but then when you didn't when you when you didn't have anything to get up in the morning and work on or feel like you're working on you kind of felt lost as well so what so how did you go and what kind of work did you have to do in, internally to kind of get to yourself to a point where you could actually go again yeah, so this was actually, I reckon, like the the, the deepest like part of my life, <laughs> honestly. Um, there's like a video on my fucking, I was living here, by the way. So I moved in here in like June 21. I probably actually need to move somewhere else soon. It's probably good I'm moving in like three weeks. It'll feel like more of a fresh start. Um, yeah, ended up like breaking up my girlfriend. 
about two months later, like November 21. So it was fucking terrible. I mean, we like basically broke up in like September. She ended up moving out. Bunch of reasons. I was a bit of an idiot, but yeah, it's just a weird fucking headspace I was in. Do you think you went into self-sabotage mode? Oh yeah, probably. Like, yeah. I mean, I never cheated on her or anything, but like I was ne- nearly, basically. Anyway, just like embarrassing shit. Um, I look like shit as well because I fucking put on like two stone. You can see the stress in my eyes, all this. But, the, uh, but then I, I started working on new ideas and stuff. And I remember filming a video on my phone. I still got it. I've never posted it anyway. Like October 21. And it's like a five minute video of me just talking to the camera saying, I'm fucked. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I just had this plan of one day I'll post that on the day I sell the business or whatever it is. I could probably post it now and it would still look quite cool because I've come a long way since then. But... Yeah, I don't, I don't recognise myself in that video now. It's always quite hard to watch and like look back at even pictures from, from myself from that period. Because like, it's kind of a joke I've started in like my group chats and shit now. I was like, why did no one tell me I was fat as fuck? I wasn't fat as fuck, but like compared to what I look like now, I look a lot better. I lost like two stones, started running and shit, got pretty shredded and all that. Built up my confidence again, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I like there was this weird period where I was going to start a teeth whitening brand. So Space Goods was going to be some teeth whitening shit. And this is just a classic case of like people don't realize how scrappy it can be when you start. And like I, in my head, I was like, oh, I'm not going to spend any money on buying stock. I'm going to like fucking make it myself and shit. So there's a fucking video of me like packaging these teeth whitening tablets into like sheep. I've actually got the packaging over there and I, think I kept it. And then I stopped myself. I was like, hold on. Why the fuck am I doing this? I've scaled to like a million a month plus i'm not I'm not retarded like let's just sit back a second not rush into the next thing because i was literally just brainstorming ideas i was like i didn't know i was going to do mushrooms so you design the brand name and the logo and the color palette before you even pick the product yeah always always well, that is especially a, that, in this case that is something i've never heard before so explain why you do that i don't know I just, I come up with the names. So, so Neon Beach, in fact, quick example. This canvas here, I was going to launch a canvas brand in 2017. Back when, you know that I, Iconic brand or something in America? Yeah. They did like print, it was the print on demand canvas brand, blew up. Gary B was doing collabs and shit. Yeah. I think Scooter Braun invested in it, all this shit. So this poster, which has become synonymous with the podcast, that was going to be neonbeach.com, which was going to be synthwave posters. Because I just love that aesthetic. So that, that's an example. I never went anywhere with that because I, I don't know why. I just couldn't make it work or whatever. I've forgotten. There's so many things I did that didn't work. And that was Neon Beach. So I had that name. So I've got a Google Drive full of names and like logos. And when I say brands, it was literally like a name and a fucking logo. That's like, yeah, that's, the, that's, that's the the first bit. That's an interesting way that you do it though. So you're always constantly designing logos, brand and yeah, color Yeah, I used to be all the time. Yeah. And then and then so you so you design a lo- you design the logo, the the brand name and the color palette and then I, you I, and I then you buy the dot com like, as well, right? Yeah, yeah. And and then you just and then you well, shelve it. Actually space because it didn't that only cost me like 12 grand a few months later, but yeah, so the logic here was I actually so I stopped myself. I was like, "Why am I rushing into teeth whining?" I, I actually remember posting on Instagram and, and then I was like, hold on. I think I sold like 10 of them. Then literally a day later, I was like, no, I stop. This was like middle of October. I think it was around my birthday in 2021. I would have been just turned 26. So fuck, a lot's happened since then. That's quite weird. Um, and then I had this awakening and I was like, hold on. It's not, it's not like I need to make money tomorrow. Like, I'm not fucked. You know what I mean? I've got a bit of runway. It's just like, if I don't do something in the next year, like probably should get going. Like, 
Um, but a year is a hell of a long time. Well, more sort, than a year, but you get the point. You, like, could, you can sort anything out in a year. I just wanted to get stuck into yeah. something. But I remember feeling like my brain was rusty. as well. And even when I launched the brand a few months later, because I hadn't been, I felt like I'd just gone into like weird, I'd been out of the game for like nine months at this point. So I, I, instead of running the business, I was just firefighting for like nine months. So I felt like I'd, I'd lost my skill set almost. But you weren't just firefighting in your business life. You were firefighting in your relationship. You were firefighting in your health. Yeah, it was fucking shit show. You were firefighting in all areas of your life at one point. So it was just a culmination of everything hit you at once kind of thing. Yeah, and then I fucking, in like the same month, decided to go and pay for a private psychiatrist who diagnosed me as being bipolar and all this shit, which answered a lot of questions for the past, from the previous 15 years of my life. Because I thought, fucking hell, like, I was in this, kind of, I didn't really care if I lived or died at that point in this weird way. Like, I've always dealt with, and this is going down a little fucking quick rabbit hole, but I was saying mental health has been the biggest challenge of my entire life since I was eight years old. Literally, I made a video on my YouTube a few months ago speaking about this in way too much detail. And I watched people, it. I watched it. Did all. you? Yeah. Well, it's not an exaggeration. Like, uh, probably since I was 10 years old, I thought about killing myself. And, like, explicitly, even now, like, two days ago, I had a fucking. What, kind of, what kind of triggers that in you? Well, well yeah. So, this was the thing. Because I'd always known that was there. And it always felt kind of normal to me. And I knew it wasn't. But no one ever put a fucking label on me or whatever. But then when the fucking business had all that, it brought out all that just made brought out the worst part of me like lost all my self-confidence and like i said like i was probably the closest i've ever been to actually fucking doing something about it in terms of like topping myself which i mean i guess fortunately i never did um but that's probably the closest i've ever been because i think but genetics and a lot of people say you know depression isn't real whatever all right if you're lucky enough to think that then just i think stay out of the conversation because you know i go to the gym every day if i can eat eat well i don't drink very much Granted, back then I wasn't in my, my best shape, but my brother's never dealt with this. My twin brother, do you know what I mean? Like, it's quite a good scientific example, maybe. Um, so, like, I was predisposed, I guess, to ups and downs. I'd always known that. But I think in my ups, I'd come up with the best ideas, and that's why I started a business. It's probably even the same as Space Goods. Like, I'll have a day where I come up with 20 ideas, and that's what became the first product. So there's probably a blessing and a curse in many ways. Um but then, yeah, where was I going with that? Um, I ended up fucking, I was like, this is like a clean slate. Let's just go and fix myself, I guess. I was just intrigued. I was like, fuck it. I know there's something not wrong, not right with me. The, the past few months have brought out, you know, a lot of bad feelings. Um, so yeah, he ended up fucking telling me, oh, you're bipolar, all this shit. And I, I refused to take medication. I used to take antidepressants when I was like 18 years old, probably like half the population at some point in their life. It, like fucked me up made me feel like a robot couldn't get my dick up all this shit not great when you're 18 years old fucking hell. so I was like never touching that shit again and then th this is like relevant to the the foundation of why I want to get into mushrooms so I'd always been interested in psychedelics broadly I've always had a pulse on I think what is kind of trending so like naturally I just had this inkling of mushrooms and I've been to Amsterdam when I was younger whatever you know it's illegal did you start else. microdosing to start turning your mental health around yeah this is where I'm going so yeah, I guess you're not technically allowed to do that. So let's hypothetically say I started playing around with that. Um, and it really helped me. And I was like, fuck. Literally, I mean, I've, I've been doing it a few months prior. But then I started going down the rabbit hole of, you know, psilocybin, legislation change, all these documentaries started coming out on Netflix. It's fully legal in Australia now. Yeah, in a therapeutic sense. Yeah, you can't buy it like on the internet, I don't think. 
but it's getting there, I believe. Um, and then I was like, fuck me. I don't know what it was. I literally like one day was like, I'm gonna build, go into the mushroom space. And my vision is to long-term be a psychedelic D2C brand or just be a psychedelic brand. Like I think that can, I truly believe if, if everyone did mushrooms, whether like a macro dose or a micro dose, more regularly than they fucking drank and smoke and did cocaine, certainly stuff like that. The world would be a better, better place. You, but there's you, a lot of you're talking, age old you, politics. Mate, I'm telling you now, you're talking to someone there's here. There's a like, lot of politics and you know, very complicated reasons why I'd, these I'd, things aren't legal. You go back to the fucking 60s drug mate, war. Mate, I'd take, take microdoses, 100%, like 0 0.3, 0 0.1, mm. 0 0.2. Because mushrooms and are a natural are a natural product and and they they help elevate your creative process. That, that do you know what I mean? So you're not 100%. you're not gonna you're not gonna fly to the moon on 0.2 uh, yeah. in in a coffee. You know people people most of the top entrepreneurs in the world microdose. Like yeah, it's so straight facts. I basically decided it felt like <laughs> fuck. This is like the perfect thing for me to do because I like I, I am the person that need like wants to help myself with that shit and then i was obviously like well i can't build a business selling something illegal you know to start with but that that then i started just going down this whole rabbit hole of i don't know what the first slogan i came up with but like the, the next generation wellness brand ended up sticking or whatever and then i was like well but then also i was thinking about the next thing i'm going to do i'm going to be very logical about it i want to do one skew to start with i want to do something consumable which i would never done before I want to do something with massive margins, similar to jewelry, but obviously you don't eat fucking necklaces and buy one every month. So. And you've so, got, and I just want, I just want to identify, you've got all that learning from these so-called failures. Yeah, exactly. So when I started to brush myself off, I was like, hold on, I've done this fucking before. Let's just settle let down. Let think, yeah. think what I'm going to do next. And then, yeah, I've, I've, I think I did a video on it the other month where I showed like the original brainstorm and I did, because a lot of people think you just come up with ideas and it's perfect from day one, but it's fucking not like, I watched it. It was scrappy. The, the, the one where you showed all the logos being built. And yeah, it's on a the shit plane. video because yeah. I rushed it, but it gives the idea of the process. But, but but it's good to get into your mind and understand how you how you get into creative and how you throw things around and put things together and, and, and move them about, the colour palettes, everything, how it all works. It's good to understand that concept. You think mm. it's a shit video because you've created it, but you think everything's shit because yeah, you've probably. created it. But, but for someone else on the outside, there's a lot of value in that because essentially just to fully recap on what you've said, you, you've, you, you design the whole brand and the name and everything before you've even picked the product. Phenomenal. It's, yeah, I think it's because I relate most to like music and visuals. That's why I love pink lights. I fucking hate it. I go to my mate's flat and he's got bright lights on at 9 p.m. It's like a hospital. I'm like, why? And he obviously just doesn't relate to like moody lights. That doesn't do it for him. Whereas for me, it's like, there's nothing better than like, listening to some fucking like 1975 and pink lights and like red wine it's it's like the that's like the mood do you know what i mean I, so i would start with i was so, on a pinterest mood board and i and i'll get like the visual i don't know it's not even just visual it's like the whole just aesthetic feel of something first and that's where i start with it because i always was brand first or it's not even brand is it it's just visuals first yeah. And then I was like, hold on, this fucking goes so perfectly with mushrooms because the whole aesthetic of psychedelics is like pink and kind of bright colours and shit. It's just known for that. And then I started going down the rabbit hole of, all right, well, I can't do psilocybin yet. I would love to, but we can't, but we're going to get there. That's the pitch for the next 10 years or whatever it is. But then I looked at all the brands in the space. I was like, there's basically no one in the UK doing this properly. 
and everyone that is doing it in like America is much bigger brands there, much bigger market. It's always like five years ahead of the UK. Same with like CBD, but they all look the same. And I was like, every brand, basically supplement brand, wellness brand ever, in my experience, looks the same. It's fucking minimal as fuck. It's black packaging. It's either black, brown, gray or white packaging. It's something boring like that. You know, it's just, and every, every mushroom product is called mushroom coffee. I was like, well, why is no one doing it pink and giving it interesting names and shit? And then I love the 80s, so I ended up making this fucking 80s movie for it. And, you know, I guess that aesthetic has always been my thing. And it's kind of become synonymous with me and, like, the podcast and shit. And I don't know, it just felt incredibly natural. And I was like, wow, there's never been something that... There's this Japanese phrase called ikigai. It's like the, it's like the culmination of something that has a genuine financial opportunity as well as like your passion and something that like the world needs or whatever. It's all very romantic and shit. And I was like, hold on, this is like the definition of that. Cause there's clearly a market here for mushrooms and it's only growing. There's an opportunity as well. Cause there's not much competition. I care about it and visually it looks sick. So it was like ticked all the boxes. Oh, and it's a subscription business, great margin in supplements, you know, everything. So then I decided I was going to do that. And then I was like, well, I'm not completely bankrupt, but I don't want to do it myself because like I said before, I learned that, that I, you know, even if I had a billion pounds, I wouldn't have wanted to be the only one involved, you know, on the cap table, whatever. So then I was like, well, I've got a really good network. I'm just going to go raise some fucking money off mates and start this business. So yeah, I ended up raising like about 470 grand off mates, basically. Um, Fred, Jimmy, Adam, Ollie, all guys I mentioned, all invested in the business. I guess primarily because they believed in me because I know the, the shit I've done before and, and the fact that I was going again after having fucking every punch in the face possible over the past year. In percentage terms, how much are you giving away to get all those boys on board? 24%. Right. So, that, so you know, the valuation of 2 million quid on an idea. Pretty phenomenal. Valuations are a fucking, you know, it's a fluffy term because whatever, but... Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like industry standard, I guess, for like a, a VC-backed thing. It's not VC-backed yet, but obviously now and, if I'm and, raising money, it's much higher than that. And your but. vision with it is to exit space goods eventually? I mean, yeah. So Are you building it to sell? Well, so there's there's two... I've become very pragmatic around the financial side of why you're getting into a business now because, because I've seen the ups and most relevantly the fucking horrible downs that can happen if you get something wrong so I say this to all investors and shit and I said it from the start and like all the VCs I'm speaking to now because I'm going through potentially another funding round but I don't really know I think it's a bit soon and I say there's two goals with it the first goal is how can I fucking make 10 million quid plus like and that's very doable and I know plenty not plenty I know a few you're, guys you're on that. about a 10 million pound clean exit you you get yeah, 10 million clean, in the bank me yeah, yeah 10 million in the bank like per, after you've personally. paid taxes everything yeah exactly yeah so you know Jimmy has done that I probably shouldn't say that fucking not public knowledge um, a few of my best have done that you know Fred and Adam haven't done that again probably shouldn't say that but like it's fucking that's a big number like people throw 10 million about like it's nothing like the amount of people that have made 10 million quid is probably one in 10,000 people, you know, fucking not many people, especially ones that have done it legit. So I was like, well, I, th I think that's the number because the people that have done that have told me beyond that doesn't fucking matter, really. Beyond that, like you invest 10 million quid, that's like 600 grand a year for life passively. Do you know what I mean? There's nothing you can't do on that sort of money. 
So I was like, well, there's got to be a financial outcome as an entrepreneur because why the fuck would you go through all the suffering if there's not? And it's just the reality is you need money to have a good life. So there was that. And then I thought, well, all right, um, that's the first goal. The bigger goal, I guess, is once I've done that, whether, I don't know, if I can sell the business or I sell part of the business, whatever it is that gets me there, ultimately I, I, I can see myself working in this space for 30 years whether it ends up being this brand specifically or you know psychedelic stuff psilocybin trying to improve people's mental health naturally ultimately that's what it's all about would you would you would you say that then that this is the first time that you've that you've found passion purpose and happiness all in one culmination i wouldn't necessarily say i've found much happiness yet but I'm definitely get. I think it's the it's the best thing I could work on. I think, yeah. Yeah, and what on what on what? Obviously, because in all in all other areas of your life, money, the brand, and everything else, you you you're back going in all the same directions you were going before, and you and you're scaling, and everything's going mm. well. What are you going to consciously do to to work on this happiness piece so, to make sure that your mental health is moving in the right direction too, so that you don't end up potentially in a situation where you sell this thing and you end up feeling the same as when you previously lost a business? Yeah, I mean, I'd rather cry in a pink Lamborghini in it, but it's very true. I think the thing I've been missing, I think a lot of entrepreneurs are missing, and I think the whole fucking generation is struggling with is not having enough people around them because everything's, I work remotely, you know, and that's great. You can go to Bali and fucking sit on a laptop, but it's only great if you've got, uh, anything ever is only good if you have good people around you doing it. Literally ever. That's why I fucking sat there and wrote that note in my bright green Audi R8. That I didn't have a nice girl next to me. My mum wasn't there. I didn't have, my mate wasn't there at the time, you know, it's just one day, but like, it illustrates means nothing. the point. It means, it means nothing. Everything is shit yeah. if you're just doing it by yourself, basically. And not everything, like fucking reading a book or whatever. But I also function way better off being around people, which is probably why I started the podcast, because it secretly became like free therapy for me. And then people started watching it. And then the people that started watching it became people that some of them ended up becoming my investors. Like I met Jimmy through the podcast. I met another investor of mine called Alex through the podcast. Um, I've met other investors again through the podcast. Like... If you just, especially when you're, because the platform I've been so honest on, and like the first episode was me basically fucking self-deprecating for 95 minutes, which is quite unusual, especially in like the social media sphere, especially as someone that had been flexing my fucking Ferrari a year prior. People are like, oh, wow, okay, fair enough. I kind of relate to this guy because I also don't have a perfect life and fucking no one does, by the way. How, how, how do, you know when you're posting those flex videos of you flexing a Ferrari or an R8. I never did that much no, of it. But, 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 but when you did do it, mm. how were you feeling internally when you're doing that? Like, are you, what, I reckon back then, it was probably still when I cared about what people from fucking uni thought. Because it was still quite soon, you know, two, three so years it was prior. So it was that It was need, still like, fuck you, I made approval. it. Yeah, yeah, probably yeah. like big chip on my shoulder. Definitely very arrogant in many ways. Um, yeah, probably just like trying to, prove to all the people that did end up going to a better union or whatever it was stupid shit now but probably then i still maybe cared about it. it it just goes to show you that even with people like yourself that have that that to most people looking into your life right now on from an external point of view most people judge success by money and and status and all that stuff and you've achieved that 
right? So to most people looking inwards, you've achieved that, everything's rosy, they aspire to do what you've done. And then you're on the inside here saying, well, hang on a minute, I've done that, that and that, but I feel completely fucking empty about it. Do you know what I'm saying? So like, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of lessons in, in that from the point of view of you ha build the things that, the things that you build, but obviously on the other side of that, you have to consistently work on your, you know, your, your self-love on all that stuff. I know it sounds a bit woo-woo, you know, saying all that, but you kind mm. of, you kind of, you, until you truly discover like some love for yourself, you can't ever fi find love in everything else that you do and, and, and appreciate mm. what you've got. You just, you just kind I, of I'm walk still, around. I'm still, I still struggle with that massively. I think, I think mushrooms can help people with that. I don't, I don't, I don't do massive doses a lot. I, I, I probably should more. Um, yeah, it's a weird one because. Have you, have you ever done, have you ever been on a, a on a, cause a, a, like a mushroom journey, like a five gram hero dose journey guided by someone else? Or not properly like that. I've only done it recreationally in terms of macro dose. I, th I, th I think, I think a key. I really should. I think a key thing for you healing what I term as generational trauma in your life, because mm. in, in every part of your journey, it's, it's no matter what you achieve, you never seem to think it's enough. You never feel from what, from your, from, from me outside perspective, you never seem like you feel like you've done much. So no, that, that, that's a, that, that shows me that there's a there's some generational stuff in there. Well, the what's what's helped me is is I've done five gram hero doses, and what it's it, it's allowed me to 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 see in a controlled environment. I'm mm. talking about it's allowed me to see outside myself and accept certain things about myself, so that I could free myself and move through it. I think it would help you a, a hell of a lot. Yeah, I think it would as well. And it's really ironic that I haven't done that properly yet when this is my entire fucking business. Hundred percent. At least that's the, I, I, the baseline premise. I think I, th I think that's something you, you should do. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some contacts to to get that done because I think that's gonna that I think that piece there will allow you to go to not only another level in terms of everything you want to do, but also when you when you're at the level to fully truly encapsulate and appreciate everything you've done, because there's no point achieving success for any of you that are listening for this and then feeling empty on the back of achieving the success because that's pointless because then you're just kicking cans down the road for no reason you know because mm. it's emptiness essentially yeah I've, I've been there I've felt it I've, I, I, I did it I did it on the back of, of sport I've talked about it many times on this podcast before but I had this big ambition to be a professional boxing trainer. And when I worked at world title level, I realized that that was all a, a big dick swinging competition to prove to people that it didn't even matter that I could achieve mm. this, right? I've been there, I've lived it. I stood there, I felt empty. I stood next to Michael fucking Buffer. I won a world title fight. It meant to be the biggest night of my life. Biggest thing, I built this up. It must be how you feel. You stand there, you've achieved what you you've put as your fucking pinnacle and you're stood there and you're like fuck what was it all about hmm. is that kind of how you felt well i think I'm, I'm a different example of that it's when i started running right and i just fucking picture there um and when i do anything i get obsessed with it so i went for, i went from saying i'm not a runner fuck that so I started running last year, lost loads of weight, all this. And I started getting quite quick. And then someone said, all right, do a sub three hour marathon. And I Googled it and it's like, 
impossible for anyone of my size, you know, 88 kilograms, six foot three. I was like, all right, fuck it, I'll do, I'll do a sub three marathon. First marathon ever, I'll do it. Watch, entered London Marathon. And I'd never even run more than 25K before that marathon, right? Marathon's 42.2K. <laughs> Fucking ran a 252, right? So like, I built, I did this YouTube video. I, I, it was like, it was nice to have a challenge offline for once, which is why I think any, anyone should do something that they think they can't do physically. Because I was running like 12 hours a week. I was maybe not 12 hours, like 10 hours a week. I was pretty fucking obsessed for like three, four months. And then I did that, which I knew I'd do because I, I know I've got this fucking dark side of me when it comes to like physical endeavors. Goes back from when I used to be a r- rower when I was younger. I know how to push myself. I, I, I listened to a lot of David Goggins and shit. I really got consumed with this like, I'm going to do this run and it's going to fucking make me feel confident again or whatever like because so, so someone said I couldn't do it and it was like this thing and it was, it was all kind of along the same time I launched a brand I got into running got in very good shape probably in the best shape of my life like last summer um, and then when I finished that I was like and that was another example of fuck's sake I just cleared yeah. that goal by eight minutes which yeah. everyone said I couldn't do everyone's telling me how amazingly amazing it is and it's only a fucking run but it's like it's the same fucking dopamine hit as anything else, isn't it? But I was just like, ah, oh, done that now. I want to. I want to tell you my biggest learning in life. I've never talked about this before, so I, I, I realized I used to put a lot of emphasis, like you, on achieving pinnacle events, mm. the run happening, the boxing, the this, the that, the pinnacle events, right? With this podcast. I don't put it, my purpose into it being the number one education podcast in the world, even though I'd like it to be. I don't, I don't put it into that. What I put it into is being fully present in the conversation I'm in during the rep that I'm in, being fully present in this conversation right now with you. Mm. And then when I have a conversation with Adam tomorrow, being fully present there and just enjoying that moment, enjoying this, whatever this turns out to be. And letting the numbers and letting the money and letting everything else just fucking do its thing, right? Because I've put my worth in all of those metrics that you have in every element of my life and it's brought me zero fucking happiness. Mm -hmm. And the only time that I fully felt on purpose, in love with life, in love with what I'm doing, fully in the fucking moment is when I realized that this podcast to me is just being fully present in the rep that I'm in and just enjoying it and whatever else happens, happens. And it fully freed me from everything. Yeah. And that was a big epiphany moment to me. And I hope a lot of you that listen to that, I hope you feel why I said it to you in this moment and I hope you f- it fucking helps you move through whatever you're trying to move through because every time you put any fucking emphasis on on achieving external goals as a, as an epiphany moment, as a life-changing moment, as this, as that, as when I get here, I'll be happy. As soon as you do that, you fuck yourself. You've just missed the whole point of life because you just literally took something and made the external um, ramification of it as your idol. You've made something an idol. So if I set the goal and, and my self-worth into this being the number one education podcast in the world, right? and I achieve it, 
I've got this. Uh, the podcast is my idol. There's nothing bigger than bigger than that. There has mm. to be something bigger than the idol. You can't put things in your idol. Space goods can't be your next idol. Running cannot be your next idol. There, there, has. You have to. The, uh, the I like the moment has to be like enjoying what the fuck you're doing and fully like getting being present every moment you're in. That is that is the game. Hundred percent. There's nothing. There's nothing beyond that. I've had, to, I've, I've, I've done it. I've, I've been there. I've seen it. I've mm. fucking been punched in the face by all of this. I can see the cogs in your head landing as I'm saying it to you. Yeah, well, I, I struggle to be present in probably most things. But if you just work on that one skill for this next year, like that, because that's the only thing that's that I felt with you that has been missing from this whole piece. Just the, just being present in any part of it, you're always somewhere else. Mm. Does that make sense? Like, and and that's probably why you felt the same way that I felt when I stood there looking out at the fucking crowd, like thinking, "What the fuck am I doing here?" Like, you probably felt that at the London Marathon when you cross the line, you've just done sub three three hours. What did you feel? Very sore, but then I was like, uh, "Oh, I've done that now." Yeah, yeah, fuck it. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's amazing, isn't it? Like how how you can get how you can get into this trap and people and it doesn't it doesn't matter how you frame it. People keep going down the same trap, the same trap, the same trap, the same trap, same trap. But the trap just looks different. The first the first trap was make a million pound mm. in your bank. The second trap was I'll have all these flash cars. The third trap was. I'll travel around the world working from a laptop. The yeah. next trap was, I'll get an office with my mate. The next trap was, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this. And every time you've achieved it, you've gone, fuck me, I'm, 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 what the fuck? What do I need to do then? Hmm. You see what I'm saying? Like it has to, it has to be something, it has to be something more than that, right? I do also think though, I don't know what you think. I feel like the only way to be happy is to be progressing, especially as a man. Y At least that's how, how I think. Like, I don't, you are progressing though yeah I guess yeah yeah but I, th I think I just don't think you be... ever realise it hmm. that's, yeah. that, that's what takes you away from happiness you never realise you, you're progressing even if I added one listener a day or one listener a week over the course of a year am I not progressing of course yeah. I am yeah. that's why I don't get involved in the analytics of all this stuff I know to a certain extent with a brand you have hmm. to get involved in the analytics but when you zoom out far enough you know you're progressing. Yeah. Right? In all areas of your life, you know you're progressing, right? So maybe just fucking give yourself a break. Mm. You never get, you, you're like me, mate. I never gave myself a break either. I was fucking destroyed. You know, on the outside, everyone else thinks you're fucking whole. On the inside, you're shot to pieces. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Because mm. like you feel, you feel, you feel like that. But there's a lot of people that listen to this that if, that they might be sat there on the car to work this morning that are also feeling that right now that have never been honest with themselves and to the outside world it looks like they're smashing it it's just it's just it just it just all dawned on me like literally it's probably about three weeks ago that dropped in for me like fully dropped in for me like and again i microdosed that day mm. i got presence with myself and when i microdosed and I sat there i had a full-on a full-on like download mate into my mind like holy fuck it's not even about that. It's about this. It's just mental, mate. It's just mental. But I don't know, man. I just think I think I think you. I, I think when you when you get fully when you get fully like in it, you'll you'll see you'll see what I'm saying because it's just it's, it's just so plain for me to see. But it's easy, isn't it, for someone like myself on the outside to see it? Like there's plenty there's plenty of things that you could advise me about that I'm doing probably that that 
I probably can't see myself, but it's like, it's, it's a struggle, isn't it? Like we, we all need, we all need outside perspective sometimes. I think that's why, like you're saying, um, when it comes to being a creative like you are, because you're fully creative, you have to, I, I suppose a lot of your ideas potentially have come from when you've left the the, the, the cocoon of the working environment, the, the apartment you work from, yeah, right? Yeah, definitely. That's, that, is, mm. that, is that how you're pulling, pulling the inspiration? Definitely at night time. <laughs> yeah, usually. I'm just like, I over-romanticise everything in life. That's where I get like the most inspiration from. So like, I'll fucking fall in love with one girl every year or some bullshit. Can't lie. I'm very all or nothing with that. And then I'll make mo literal movies for the brand. They're just all based on all, all that sort of shit. Um, yeah, I don't even know where I'm going, but yeah, I'm very inspired. That's why I love that whole like 80s aesthetic is I've always just, pr I probably always wanted to be a movie director, you know? Like th th that's, I don't know. That, 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 that always feels natural to me. Like the idea of trying to just create something aesthetically beautiful and I don't know, like the whole music so and. So, so from all your lessons from from the, these these so-called what you term as failures, but I term them as feedback, that you you've now probably ascertained that you're going to outsource certain roles in the business that you don't like anymore, right? Yeah. So, what are some of the roles in the business that you're outsourcing now? Because you and and I, I know when I was looking at one of your videos before that you've you've brought in a, a CTO. Because or a CFO because you wanted yeah. the, you wanted to get the financials right yeah, yeah yeah that was the first thing I did yeah then I've more recently I brought in a full time operations guy because I was sick of dealing with fucking supply chain bullshit he's a genius by the way he actually came to me from the podcast that's how I met him um, and then yeah I've just brought in a social media person full time because I mean I like doing that but basically all I want to do is like product ideas and brand ideas and content. I'm also now potentially looking at hiring like a managing director, like a proper hire, like to basically run the fucking thing. Cause does that include running you as well? Probably. They'll probably tell me what the fuck to do. Um, I just, I never want to be a CEO or whatever. I, I don't want to be fucking Tim Cook. Well, Ben Francis did the same thing, didn't he? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's a great example. Yeah. Um, honestly, if I could just sit in like a polished concrete, floor studio all day with like pink lights fucking I don't know doing wavy shit than I would so I feel like I spent like seven years in the trenches doing a lot of shit to learn stuff to put myself in a position where now I probably can do a bit less of that um but then do you know what's weird this comes comes back to like the I get massive I don't feel like I deserve someone that's older and more experienced than me to work for me I don't know where that comes from I don't know if that would have been the same three years ago or if it's only the case because I feel like I'm not fucking good enough for someone. Well, why would he want to work for me? It, it almost feels it, unfair. It, it can't, there's a repeated pattern in your life that where you feel... Like I feel like a fucking... You, 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 it's like you, imposter syndrome you, to the max. You feel some form everything. of... everything. You, you feel some form of unworthiness in a lot of areas of your life and that's a repeating pattern. Yeah, And definitely. that that... that unworthiness that that trigger the sooner you can address that trigger the sooner you can free yourself from that and allow yourself to elevate through through that through that it's as simple as that and it and on a personal level i've had to 
I've had to do it with with feeling unloved, mate. In the past, like I've I've been through I've been through that whole journey of fe- felt unloved as a child. So I had to prove a lot of stuff in my life because I felt unloved. Right? There was no reason what when I broke it down, there was no reason why I f- I should have felt unloved when you actually look at it from outside. But it was just that I chose to to. Uh, to look at certain things and perceive certain things certain way and then I took it on I took yeah. it on and when you take on and when you take on these wounds you they form a pattern and you keep repeating the pattern now the pattern can the pattern of events that you follow has been good for you in the res, in respect of like it's driven you to earn more money to to build brand to prove people wrong to always want to do all that it's been great for you for that it served you in that area but it doesn't serve you in in the area that you're now looking for because you can it drives you in this respect but then when you get to the culmination of the goal over here you're like you feel like mm. oh, a bit a little bit empty a little bit this a little bit that that's where that's where the balance needs to come in that's why you'll probably you'll and you'll know this when it happens to you, but you'll 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 get called, and it'll be either from ayahuasca, DMT, or from fucking um, a hero dose of mushrooms. Yeah. One of those three things will call you, and you'll do a journey with one of those three things, and you'll have an epiphany fucking moment in that in that. That's what will call you, hundred percent. And it'll call you whenever it's. I don't know when it's going to call you, but it's going to call you, mate. Because I, I I was called by mushrooms, mate. And I and bearing in mind, this is a geezer that's never took a drug. I never took a drug. Yeah, you said you never had a drink. And never, I've never, I've never had alcohol, bro. Ever. So no, ever had alcohol. Never had, never had a fucking sip. So imagine, imagine when you, f- imagine when when someone says you should microdose. So I started to, I'll oh, try it, and then someone says you should do a hero dose mushrooms. Imagine, imagine mm. the epiphany moment I had. Yeah. But guess what? When it took, when it, when I had, when I went on this hero dose and I went off into the fucking stratosphere and went out of body. I realized I was enough. I realized that there was nothing left to prove. And I realized that I could drop all this fucking need for a fucking to prove something to everyone else. That's what the mushroom journey allowed me to free myself from. I'm enough. I'm loved. I'm this, I'm that. And then the whole fucking egotistical bullshit around that trigger in my life for mm. me on a personal level fucked off and it and everything else became more peaceful and i could become more present and more everything else you know and when and then and then you can talk about it I in this get sense. a trip to amsterdam books mate yeah i just i just i just i just think because because like there's no it's just a constant constant thing like you want to you want to be at the point where you when you do the you're creating what what most people in e-commerce would say is fantastic brands and you've done fantastic things. There's no point in doing it and then not fucking feeling the enjoyment and the fucking and the achievement from your work when you get there. You know, you got to enjoy it. you got to do that the whole way through. It has to be. Mm. It's just, it's, it's so fucking important. And it's important people hear this kind of conversation because they don't hear it in e-commerce. They don't hear it in these kind of Ecom podcast, they hear all the bullshit about mm. art, like you know the the revenue numbers and all yeah. that stuff, which is all well and good. But there's an inherent thing that I've learned from from talking to a lot of e-commerce people that there there is always some little bit of a trigger of darkness and not satisfaction that there is in the in in this environment that kind of keeps them driving them drives mm. them to a certain point. But then when they exit or when they sell or they say it fucks them, fucks relationships, everything else as well. Just it's just amazing amazing pattern i'm sure you've i'm sure you've seen it with a lot of others yeah it's probably what drives a lot of entrepreneurs isn't it it's not fucking satisfied with anything yeah it's got a point to prove 
to it, themselves it, or someone or some girl that hurt them when they were nine years old or whatever yeah. it is. <laughs> but, but then if you don't address the patterns, then you go into self-sabotage mode and it sabotages in other areas of your life, right? Hmm. Have you noticed that coming about? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I need to just do a massive fucking dose down there, really. <laughs> you you don't know ay- ayahuasca? Yeah, no, but but um, I, I, the thing that I'm feeling most called by at the moment is DMT. Yeah. I feel, I've, I feel called by that at the moment, but I'm, I've been avoiding it, but it keeps calling me. And yeah, and, heard, and and I tell I, te- I tell you how you know when when things call you is when is when you start meeting people that you shouldn't in certain situations and they start talking about certain things and it's like holy fuck I've been like it's calling me again and then you try and avoid it and then mm. something else comes up and it's like it's like I I be- I, I believe in energy in the universe and all that stuff so I'm don't want to get highly spiritual with you lot but I'm telling you there's there's certain points in your life that you just feel that certain things are you called to do it's like yeah. it's like imagine it talking about happiness and stuff I was sat on the beach right it fucking 70, 80, 90 days ago I was sat on the beach mate bearing in mind beautiful apartment 39 fucking floor panoramic views of the Gold Coast all this stuff same as you right on the outside looking in men are be fucking happy men are be fucking all this and Mm. I was like holy fuck I've got to leave I felt it gut feeling mate You, Mm. you just have to trust it right when you get that fucking feeling have to go with it you know you can't sometimes you can't explain them you just have to fucking move with them very true but going back into space goods right was the subscription the best move that you made with that brand yeah i mean probably probably long term i think i think probably broader than that do something consumable um which is kind of the same thing you know people come back to it i also think it's a cool product I think I think not enough people in the e-com sphere. They all talk about marketing. They never talk about product, because everyone just wants to print money from a laptop to spend money on ads and getting revenue. You know, that's like the whole thing on like Twitter and so on. All these gurus, whatever. But yeah, I just think it's a cool product. It works. Um, I think I branded it very well. I think it stands out like a sore thumb. I, I drink it like three times a day. So I'm fucking addicted. Um, and yeah, I can't wait for the the, the psilocybin version. So I, th- I feel like that would be the greatest thing since the iPhone. How long do you run one skew before you start adding new skews in? Like what? what yeah, did, well, did, you, did you did you did you pre yeah. did you preset a revenue number that one skew had to do before you? No, because I actually thought when I launched the brand, that would be one skew forever. I was like, I'm going to build a one skew business. But then I was like, oh, hold on, it doesn't make sense, does it? Because people are already saying, Have you got this? When are you launching this? So then I launched the nighttime product, which and I, I don't know if you watched the movie for that, but it's a fucking 10 minute movie and I featured in it and it was very dramatic and completely pointless, by the way. That was just an excuse for me to... Spend in, money and be creative. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. And it was what so... Was, what was the cost of that, by the way? Not even that much, like nine grand. Nine grand. Not a lot at all for, for what it is. Even though like <laughs> we don't even like run ads to that or anything. It's just purely, it's basically me just justifying making a movie and hiring a DeLorean which have now which is the fucking car on that poster the 1980s DMT DeLorean but I think I think you did that to scratch your itch of directing a movie didn't you 100% yeah I'm gonna do another one as well and like but if you get enjoyed but if there's you so many get easter eggs in that it, yeah if you get enjoyment I get excited it, by that shit it's good I think I always wanted to make a horror film when I was younger 
So I've got this other product that is coming next and I've got this fucked up idea for what I'm going to do for it. It's probably completely retarded, but again, it's just indulging stuff I wanted to do. So I think that's the best thing about entrepreneurship is it's literally as much suffering and pain as there is. And certainly is for me at least. Um, you, li you literally are making stuff from nothing. It's quite cool. Like, that, isn't that the alchemy of like, the human mind if you just put put it to something you can go from an idea to an entity like a business that people and a product yeah. that people use every day and tell you is is has helped them or and then you can fucking create i mean obviously any business does that but like i think especially when you create a product especially from when from a bad place like you fucking start again and build something and i don't know it's still a fucking tiny business in the grand scheme of things but it's quite cool to know that you've touched the world in a certain way. Simple as that. You, you, you know, you've mm. made a little bit of a dent, even if it's not to the, to the extent of the Apple iPhone right now. Yeah. It's like you've, you've, you've made a bit of a dent, haven't you? you? You've got people reaching out to you saying, hey, I love your product. And you realise the 12 months it took to go from a fucking pink canvas on Canva or Photoshop mm. or wherever you start your design to, you know, Mary from fucking Swindon telling you that, yeah. that she's been drinking it for a month and she feels fan fucking fantastic. Yeah. You know, that's, that's quite, that's quite a realization. That must be quite a real realization moment for you as a creative. Yeah. That's also nice because honestly as well, like this could be a very long podcast, but you can tell me to shut up soon. I got like so used to just people telling me that I'd scammed them that when people tell me the product's nice, I almost don't believe it. It's literally PTSD. I have mad PTSD, 100%. Like I just, uh, I assume that someone's gonna call me out for being a scam artist again. It's really weird, but even though I know that that isn't the case, it wasn't the case then, it's certainly not the case now. So yeah, I'll, I'll probably always be scarred by that almost, in a way, it's weird. But if you say you're always gonna be scarred by it, you're always gonna be scarred by yeah, it. Yeah, well maybe. So you, you, yeah. are, you are your language patterns at the end of the day. You are, you are always whatever you say you are. Mm. Remember that whatever you whatever you repeatedly tell yourself you are, you become. Well, I've got I've got a fuck. I have to show you after. I've got a bunch of shit I've written, and it's just I've got piece of paper stuck on my mirror in yeah. my fucking bathroom because I wanted to untrain myself from the negative self talk I had from like a year ago. But yeah, anyway, that's that's definitely not going on uh, social media. But I'll show you that. No, no for sure. But I, th I I honestly think in regards to that, I honestly think the way that you do that is to. Address your biggest domino, and that and that biggest domino is 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 you know that addressing that trauma, you know, addressing that that lack of self, whatever it is, that lack of self worth, that lack of whatever whatever whatever's brought that up, whatever trigger brings that up, you got to address that trigger. Addressing that trigger ultimately frees you from everything else. You can you can have as many affirmations on the wall as possible, and they will help you to a certain degree. I'm not denying that. Reading them, reprogramming your mind, that help that that affirms and reaffirms and re-fires re and rewires Joe Dispenza in your brain, 100%. But you still have to, at some point, address the root cause. And when you address the root cause, it allows you to move through everything else. Just It's just like peeling mm -hmm. back layers of an onion. And we all have we all have things in our life that trigger us. And it doesn't matter what level of success we have, whether whether you're a, a, a man that gets loads of women or a girl that gets loads of men or whatever, or, or whatever you put success in, or, or you get loads of money, 
there could be other areas of life that fall down because you haven't addressed the main trigger. You always got to, I have tried to get away so many times in my life from addressing the main trigger that I addressed to ultimately come back to only finding some form of peace in my life when I fucking went, went through, fucking had a good old cry about it, fucking dealt with all the fucking trauma, man. Simple as that. You have to deal with it. You can't. Mm. They get to a point. Yeah, I ran halfway fucking around the world to try and avoid it. I went from England to Australia because I felt lack of love from family. So I thought, fuck it, I'll go, I'll go as far a fucking way as possible. It's the best thing I ever did. But still, what was the key driver? The key driver to all my success was feeling lack of love. Yeah. The, but then to get to a to get to the next level. I had to address that trauma, otherwise I couldn't accentuate, I couldn't move through, right? Mm. There, there has to be that, but that, that is the journey of life, isn't it, in essence? And, like, and, it's the, and you, I, ju I can just see it, I can't, I can't wait, because when you do it, you'll ring me up and you'll be like, fucking, I get it now, you'll get it. You're looking at me like, fucking, I'm talking Dutch, but, <laughs> but I'm telling you, mate, it's something in it, mate, I'm telling you. Yeah. No, I definitely, yeah, I need to probably deal with some shit. Mate, we've all, we, mate, there's not one person on the fucking planet who doesn't, this is what I'm trying to explain to you. There's not one person on the fucking planet that hasn't got shit to deal with, but we all have to be willing to deal with it so that we can move through it. Hmm. That is it. It's just the willingness. And obviously if you, when, when, when that time's right, you'll move through, but it's going to help every area of your life. I swear down, I swear down. It's, it's un unequivocal, mate, because I've, I've, I've seen it with my, with my own self, but you with obviously space goods now have got it to what what turn can we, can we talk about turnover yeah I've done like bro, like 300 grand a month now yeah and in the next 12 months what do you predict that you'll get space goods to I want to get 10 million a month in like the next year definitely that, that's my target for myself um, that's doable I've gone much more structured and planned this time around because like it was like Chad scaling before. Whereas what's, now, what's Chad scaling? Just like fucking increase the budgets. <laughs> just increase the ad budget and hope for the best. Whereas now it's like a much more proper business. Like I have an actual proper small team. Like like I said, I'm potentially hiring like an MD to actually manage the fucker. I've got a lot more experience around me. so a lot of advice and I'm just much wiser. So like while it's right now, it's not as big as Neon Beach was. I mean, it's a much better business than that. So it's not even, it's not even comparable, but yeah I but, feel like I know what I'm doing a little bit more um, and I, I, I also realised that in the past I never spent more than like not even two years on one thing it's, 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 it needs to be like five years plus it's a better business though from the from my perspective than Neon Beach because you know you you it's a it's a pro, it's a product that gets reordered. So once you've acquired the customer and the customer likes providing they like the product, it's a reorder product. You know, it's a better structure for for, for a start. Hundred percent is yeah. And it's like and it's much more unique and it's much harder to copy and everything. And it's early. I'm the first brand in the UK that's done it. Do you like get this. people trying to steal your supplies a lot? You get people asking me all the fucking time. Yeah, it sounds fuck off. No, but um, do you ever get people to try and contact your suppliers because there's ways to find out whose people's suppliers are yeah probably um, yeah I, I mean I, I've been told by my, one of my main suppliers now that they've had like 25 people come to them with my, just a picture of my product say do this you can't really stop that but they haven't done it because they know that I would fucking find out um, 
how do you I'm sure there'll be an exact rip soon how do you protect your blend and stuff like that when it comes to it's hard I'm not sure you can protect it entirely I don't don't think you can patent a fucking blend of ingredients that other people could put together I just think what's more valuable is like how it looks and the brand value in like the because you know like for example Gymshark say they were like one of the early easy example like you know one of the early fitness brands plenty of other brands then then when it made fucking stretchy leggings yeah. but they weren't Gymshark stretchy leggings and people associated with Gymshark yeah. as being you know the first brand to do it the first ones with the influencers ultimately the ones that they got the biggest because of that um so I'm you know I'm trying to do similar shit in the mushroom space I guess particularly in the UK because we have like one or two competitors that are remotely notable um but they're not doing it like I am they're all just boring in my opinion um so yeah I just think like my vision is to ultimately be the biggest mushroom brand in the world and and, and beyond that be like a psychedelics brand it's probably a 10 year job to get there like but I think I've, I'm on a much better foundation to do that now because I'm a better founder I've got advice around me from very wise people which isn't you know there's only so much advice can take you you still got to fucking do the work like they're not doing it for me but you know sounding balls that I didn't have in the past I know what to look out for in the same way I wouldn't have done in the past I'm not as fucking naive and arrogant as I was in the past I've got less distractions you know and I care more about it fundamentally yeah, yeah. which I think matters 100% probably most I, th- I think I think the fact that you that you've culminated something you care with with a good structure and you understand now that going alone isn't the game for you because going alone just allows you too much time to get in your own head and defeat mm. yourself essentially because I don't think anyone's ever defeated you in 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 your brands I think it's been an internal job hasn't it it's mm. it's been maybe like I think I should do this and then a whim it's like that Chinese that moving the Chinese factory thing yeah. although the structure wasn't optimal it was like you've woke up one day and you've gone i'm gonna move it mm. that's what you literally i think did yeah yeah and and then and then and then things started to spiral when you knocked over that fucking domino because you just moved your whole supply chain mm. from ten thousand miles yeah. away it's like that that and you know it's like you don't want to get caught in doing that and i think that's why the having the sounding board like jimmy like fred like everyone else you've got adam mm. when you come to making the key decision like that where you might wake up and be spontaneous or so you'd say bipolar with it mm. right you can just be like well hang on a minute and run it by three other people that have have different skills now that can say well hang on a minute that's a that maybe we'll sleep on that one yeah you know which is a benefit isn't it i mean yeah definitely with all that said it can still always go wrong and i'm still you know i don't take anything for granted like i'm probably more probably more worried about this going wrong than I was in the past because I know what it's like when shit goes wrong but it's not it's not going to go wrong to the same extent certainly um but ultimately entrepreneurship is you just got to fucking back yourself and every day is a risk ultimately but it's a risk worth taking like well what the fuck else am I going to do I'd rather die than not build something for myself yeah 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 I truly couldn't do anything else it's a powerful statement I'd rather die than than not do it but I, but I get the meaning behind it I genuinely it. would like I, I don't know if it's a, like a really sick mindset I have but I'm willing to die to try and achieve what I want to achieve. And like, does not say I fucking jump off a cliff to do it, but like, I don't have a plan B. I've never had a plan B. Like, I really like, it concerns me when I meet founders or whatever and they're like, well, if this doesn't work, I'll do that. Nah, fuck that. If it doesn't work, I'm finding out to make it work another way. Yeah. I, I genuinely believe that from like the core of my soul. 
is is knowing when to quit a skill. It's not a skill that I'm. It's not a skill that I'm aware of because I mean maybe I mean. I just. So I'm if just, I said, I just, I just so, think so, I'm born so, for this shit. So if I said to you, you got to quit being so hard on yourself. Well, maybe something like that. Um. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, maybe. I th- I th- I, th- I think I think when when you learn more about who the fuck you actually truly are and answer your shadows, which we all have, that allows you then because you've because you're doing the work emotionally as well as in your business and your money and everything, every other asset of your life, that allows you to ascertain to certain points whether you're actually going along the right path in terms of what you're actually fucking doing, right? You you've got closer you've got far closer to the truth now from from your learnings and from your honest conversations because you're now doing a brand that's purposeful. Whereas before it was never about purpose, it's about churning over cash. Hmm. You know, I think I think that's the I think that is the the essence of the whole thing. It's like getting the the more you iterate the more of this journey we all go down, you you start to realise, well actually that that I realise that doesn't matter. That was just a phase. That doesn't matter. That was just a phase. And you start to get closer and closer and closer. And I think you you're going to have a major breakthrough with the brand because of how many things have come to a to a real nice kind of head, so to speak. Mm. Like you've got, you've got team, you've got brand, you've got subscription, you've got passion for it. Everything's just culminated. Of like the uh, icky, icky guy, yeah. icky guy, icky thing, isn't yeah. it? It's just all, it's all culminated. But if there was one piece of fucking wisdom from Matt, that, that if you got to check out the planet tomorrow and you got to leave one piece of advice for everyone who's listening to this that wants more for themselves, wants to do e-commerce, but you can just leave one piece of golden wisdom from what you've learned in everything in your life so far, what would it be? That's, what, that's a good question. Um, I'd probably say like trust your gut. So cliche, but I just think I just know that this is what I'm meant to be doing. Like I can't be swayed. I think everyone probably knows. I think I, I knew when I was 10 years old I have to be an entrepreneur and I'll build something great one day. I genuinely did, even though I didn't know what the fuck e-commerce was even then. And it might not end up even being e-commerce. I might end up, you know, this brand might become something else. It might end up becoming a fucking, I don't know, like science company eventually, beyond, way beyond e-commerce, do you know what I mean? But yeah, I think everyone just knows who they are deep down to some extent. Like I, ultimately, I, I, I'm still like the fucking romantic kid that likes pink lights and playing like soppy fucking music but own it and loads of other shit but I do own that now and I think I probably didn't as much when I was younger because you care what people think way more and I don't know I just know that that's authentically me I'm I'm probably I'm I'm the best at that shit because that's just I don't know who else is fucking sat with some cringe neon sign with some 80s poster (laughs) like that's just my thing um so yeah that's probably what I'd say overall um, there's plenty of things I could say beyond that but I think that's the most powerful thing I think everyone should probably listen to um, so many people doing shit they probably don't want to be doing and they know they'd be happier even if they took a pay cut and did something else and, and what 
and if and if there's one goal that you could set yourself to improve for this next year in your own self what would it be probably like allow myself to enjoy the process more because i've got to such a such a toxic point now i think i don't know where it comes from that i i actually almost feel like i feel suspicious if i'm enjoying something it's like oh, fuck this this can't be right surely this is going to go wrong now it's probably just being so on guard from stuff that's happened in the past like i almost feel yeah bad for doing something that even if it's work related if oh, fuck, i can't be enjoying this this is meant to be really hard I'm meant to be grinding right now. Why am I smiling? I literally, it's got like that toxic in my head probably. Which is, yeah, probably just PTSD to some extent. Um, so I've maybe got so used to being in a state of stress because I was so used to it for so long. That yeah, I just, I don't know how to like enjoy myself. Certainly along like a prolonged period of time. So would the goal then be better being learning how to learning how to like en enjoy the process again like fully fully enjoy yeah it? definitely I think yeah because yeah you, the process is it like yeah I might get to X amount of money in the future and I'm sure I will but one one of the ways that I've learned to in to enjoy it and to take the pressure off me with the podcast and stuff and with content removal and everything else is just that I rephrase my sayings to I have to to I get to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and when I put things in, I get to go to the gym. Mm. I get to do this work that, that's highly paid and get this revenue. Do you know what I'm saying? I get to do this podcast with people all over the world. I get the opportunity to do things. And when you and when you rephrase rephrase it from you know, to I have to, to I get to, it kind of puts you in a position where you can think to yourself, do you know what, fucking hell, what, brings you real back present mm. real quick, you know. But mate, thank you for being so honest today on this podcast. I've, I've listened to a few podcasts yeah. that you've done. I, I definitely think this is a little bit deeper in a lot of respects no, to, some, to some of the others. And sorry I've pushed you, but I've had to, to, to get down some of them narratives. And I hope... And I've seen some cogs turn in your head um, as we've been through this to kind of, and I hope I've got you thinking in a lot of respects too. I really hope I do. And we'll talk more off the podcast about it. But guys, do me a solid favor. I hope this has added a lot of value in in more areas than just like the traditional e-com stuff that, that we talk about on here. But I wanted to get Matt's insights into into his mindset and everything else that's happened in good and bad because I wanted to show you all um, that, you know, you might be on the path to whatever you're doing, but it's but that's not always got to be a plain thing. And there's, there's you don't be so hard on yourself. Essentially, like you 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 are where you are. You you're where you're meant to be. Essentially, is what I'm trying to put across with everything that we've talked about today. And that it's all here to serve you. It's not here to disempower you. And there's 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 something beautiful in the whole thing. That's what I really wanted to take from this episode. I hope you got value from it. I appreciate everyone of you listening. Like, share, subscribe, especially share it everywhere because. There's a lot of ships podcasts out there that don't go into much depth and this one fucking does. So much love, appreciate you. We out. Guys, do me a solid favor. Drop a comment below this video and let us know who you want on the podcast next.